boy, you lot. You're listening to Garage Hammer. Episode 238. On tonight's episode, the manlings talk about the cities of Sigma. That's right. The God King and all the lore of all the big, beautiful cities. You know we built most of them for them. I mean, come on, let's face it. Who builds better than we do? It's not like these these manlings know how to build. And all of these golden boys, they're great for fight, but not the best for building. It's us. Let's face it. Cities of Sigmar built by Dwarnheads. You all know that's the truth. So shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the Garage Tools for the next however long this takes. We're just going to point that out. Um, we'll do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way. Maybe a cuddle, because we're going to need it. Bringing you... I, it's just too much. We got cities, we got all sorts of crazy stuff, and wow, what a book. I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I'm David M.C. Whitek. That's right, using my real name, because I'm tired of not. That's just, whatever, let's just do this, man. Let's do this. I'm here. Alex is here. We're ready. You're ready. Keep listening, because this is going to be something. I don't know exactly what, but it's going to be something. Your middle name is MC. My middle, my full name is David Michael Christopher Whitek. Oh, okay. So yes, I am technically David MC Whitek. Or I didn't know if that was like your street name or no. I know it's, it, it just turns out to be MC. You want to know the crazy thing? I am David Michael Christopher Whitek. You may have heard of my good friend Christopher Barnett. Christopher Barnett's full name is Christopher David Michael Barnett. We have the same first three names. Which is a weird thing, just out of order. Mine is in the right order, obviously. Although his is alphabetical, so my OCD says his name is right. But uh-huh. of course, but we all know, I'm MCY Tech. I mean, come on. What's cool? So, to- I'm going to ask a personal question. <laughs> Go for it. Why not? Are your toes webbed? Are his toes webbed? No, no. We have literally okay. no, no, uh, we are not family. Although when we were younger, I did have a crush on his mom. And, you know, they're separated. So I was always like, oh, I still do. In fact, we always joked around. Everybody knew that I had a crush on his mom, including his mom. Like I was in college. I had a crush on his mom. And uh, I remember his older brother just looked at me and said, listen, I don't care whatever happens, but I'm never calling you dad. And I said, all right, that's cool. So, wow. Oh, hot start. Oh. It's, Why did I ask this question? God bless America. See, you, you, you should know better. You really should know better. Like, what's the matter with you? There's a lot of matter with me, but that's besides the point. Well, yeah, um, we okay. Probably uh, get started with the show and like talk about the good stuff, right? Because yeah, this well, is a whole big book of good stuff. <laughs> Sponsors? Yeah, um, maybe not anymore, but. Uh, so, as always, you take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, which include Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Open during quarantine because it's mail order. That is true. Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios for all your basic needs. And, dude, did you get your, you got your stuff today, didn't you? I did. I got um, mine, too. I was too. actually going to talk about that. Go for um, it. 
So I got a couple sets of the uh, garage of the Six Squared Studios uh, quarantine objective markers that some of you guys have been posting on the Facebook page or on Twitter, um, which really appreciate it. And for Kevin and his crew doing that, um, it's pretty amazing. Well, and you know, okay, so one of the things that Six Squared does is if you're a patron at a certain level, they send you like uh, the uh, uh, combat gauges and stuff, Garage Hammer, Six Squared combat gauges, which, by the way, if you are a patron at that level and you haven't gotten yours yet, please email or send me a message or something uh, if you haven't gotten them because I always I, I can't find the list of who got them. And so I know newer people still need to get them. But Kevin's like, hey, uh, I got stuff to send out. Like, who do, who do I send it to? So if you haven't gotten them yet, please contact me. Um, but what Kevin did was, because we're all in lockdown, people can't see people, literally every single patron on the Patreon page, from from even the people who put no reward, like click that, I don't want a reward, I just want to be a patron, if your address is on there, he sent you, he sent them a set of these tokens. That's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, he didn't have to do that. Like that's totally outside of the sponsorship thing. But Kevin's like, nah. In this time, we need to. We need to. It, it's nice to just send out some gifts to people. Like you know, it's nice to get something to know that they're you, you, that the people are still out there. So there's five objective markers in it, right? Mm-hmm. One's Papa Nurgle because, of course, right? Yeah. Uh, one's a roll of toilet paper on the objective. Uh, one is hand sanitizer, one is a fork and a knife, and what's the other one? I don't have them in front of me. Um, oh, what is it? I can't remember. A bottle now. of water. Oh, that's right, bottled water. Right. So it's it, and it says surviving twenty twenty together or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, literally sent that to everyone. A lot of people have been posting things, and I've gotten I've gotten messages from. I mean. All over, like our patrons in Europe have have been getting them uh, by now. So if, if you haven't gotten them, let us know. Um, but no, Kevin sent them out, and they're they're fantastic. They're really great. Yeah, and Kevin uh, had also included uh, a special cutout that he had made for me and Carrie and the baby. Um, that I was not that I was not expecting. I was absolutely floored. Um, and he said a very nice thank you letter as well for everything I've done for Adepticon and for the community and everything. Um, I almost cried. So thanks, Kevin, for that. Um, Joni was a little concerned for a half a second. but <laughs> uh, Yeah, no, it very good people. Um, and if you can support them during this time, please do. Um, and yeah. speaking of which... Very good people that if you can support, please do. Uh, Grognard Games in Roselle, Illinois. Yeah. There's always something happening at Grog. Well, right now there's nothing happening at Grognards because we're all on quarantine, so they can't be open. Yeah. Um, but they, Todd has put out a series of uh, videos about, like, if you want to support the store by buying a gift card or whatever to help keep the lights on as it were um there's ways you can do that um and he's also posted how um him and his partners have been taking care of the employees that don't have other full-time jobs that they can get income from and that they were prepped and prepared for this so they're in a good situation but 
still they are trying to be the best store that they can be given the situation um, and take care of their staff, which is really what's the most important thing right now. No, they're really, I mean, I, I mean, we always known they were good people, but he's going above and beyond with this stuff. And he is, he's like, Hey, look, if you, if you're seeing things during the previews and stuff like that, you know, you're going to want to buy, get some gift cards if you can. And you know, and that really does, it really helps the store. And then once they can reopen, there's, you're going to, there, you know, your stuff's going to be already, you know, you got paid for already. So, and it's just, yeah. hel- it's helping them get through this because <sighs> I don't see this ending May 1st. I hate to be the, I hate to be the doing No, no, I, guy, I agree. Um, I keep telling my is... students that every day, be prepped that this is our school year, this nonsense online stuff that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Ow. Yeah, no, I, I personally think this is going to go probably at least until the beginning of June. Um, I hope just, it's over by June. I'm supposed to go to Disney World. Dude, it's dead. <laughs> just let it go. Um, I want to go to Disney World. Okay, I want to go to Boca, too, but that's besides the point. Yeah, but I had tickets. <laughs> that's that's great. Um, also, Patreon. Speaking of all those cool cats and kittens. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Patreon patrons. Okay. Um, as always, want to thank... The almost 1% of our listeners that make everything that happens on this show actually get to happen. And that includes our associate producers, uh, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, and Lance Pear, our executive producer, Colin Miller, and our newest patrons. And, dude, okay, this is a list, actually. Uh, I have no idea what's going on. I can only assume from the few people that I've heard from that we're still putting shows out. And now that people can't leave their homes, like hearing shows is a little, like, it means a little more to them, I guess. You know, it's something to hear, something to do. So I want to thank our newest patrons, Nicholas Western, Johnny Hillgrove. Uh, I hope I'm not mangling this. If I am, please call up and, uh, and uh, again, you know, leave a voicemail where you actually pronounce your name because that's helpful. Uh, Jerome Peters Penman. I think that's right, Jerome. Uh, Matthew Mayo, which I typoed that, but it is Matthew Mayo. And our newest executive producer, and this one I know I'm going to mess up, so please do the voicemail. Let me hear how you pronounce your name. Andrew Frankiesen? Frankiesen? F-R-A-N-K-U-I-S-E-N. Andrew Frankiesen. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm guessing. I am totally guessing here. Um, But, oh, my goodness. Thank you, all you guys. Um, and, and everyone who's been a patron all this time, because this is really, uh, quite incredible. Thank you all for being part of that 1% who make everything we do possible. And speaking of calling and leaving the pronunciation of your names, Alex, voicemail, we have it. People call it. They leave voicemail. Wait, 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 wait. One second. Is it 1757GHShow6? It is. It's one seven five seven GH show six. You learned the phone number. That's awesome. I'm so excited. Hey man. I know. But if now let me just get started. If I'm international, it's zero zero one and then seven five seven GH show six. Yes, international callers in most countries is zero zero and then one seven five seven GH show six. And if your phone doesn't have letters, that would be seven five seven four four one four six nine six. And guess what? We have a voicemail. Really? Yes, Stephen from Colorado coming at you right now. 
Oh, come on. I said now. Oh, hey, guys. This is Stefan from Colorado. I know how much uh, Ytech loves his voicemail, so I thought I'd drop you a line. Listening to the latest episode, um, just hoping everybody's staying healthy out there and recommending that you guys get on some patent chats, whether you use Zoom or Google Hangouts or whatever else. I've got two different groups so far that I've been getting on with, and it is a huge sanity helper to have be able to see your friends, talk to them, share a few hobby tips as you're going along. I've learned how to mix contrast paints to where they actually work. I have learned how to assemble a few things that were styming me. So get out there, use whatever free services you can, see your friends, see your buddies, share your uh, your advice and tips, and uh, just stay connected. And hopefully we will all see each other again at Adepticon next year. So uh, that's it from Colorado, signing off, and stay healthy. Stefan, not Stephen, because, you know, I can't even – I listened to this when it came in like a week and a half ago, and I totally forgot it was Stefan, not Stephen. So I apologize to Stefan, not Stephen. Um, but there you go. Voicemail. It happens. People call. They leave the messages. We play the messages. It's kind of awesome, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. Kind of a little bit awesome. All right. Um, break and then the toolbox, because uh, the lore is good, but it's... A lot of stuff we've covered already, so we're going to have time for the toolbox, since it'll be a short toolbox anyway. All right, Mm -hmm. we'll be right back. Folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we're back with the Toolbox, brought to you by... Chaos Orc Superstore! Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, all right. Hobby. I know you've been doing hobby, so why don't you take... Because you have a real hobby. So you go first. <laughs> okay. So, let's see. I've got my list pulled up of what I've finished since the last time we talked. Um, oh, Crimey, I did do a lot. Um, So... I finished up uh, the last 13 Stabas that I had for my Gloom Spike kits. Um, so those guys are done now, so I have nothing left for that army that needs to get painted. So that's a big thing checked off the list. Um, Ten of those, unfortunately, were Grot Scuttlings um, from the Silver Tower box. So eight armed gits. That was fun. Um, never doing it again. So, moving on. 
Um, I also finished um, The Worm Spat from Warhammer Underworlds, uh, the new Nurgle uh, warband. Absolutely gorgeous models. Um, I'm sorely tempted to do a full-scale Ratbringers army now. Um, they were just so really? much fun to paint. And just completely blown away, even with uh, Sepsimus's, uh backside in question. And for those of you that have not seen him, he's got like a... Uh, it's, I'm trying to think of the word for it. Um, it's like a massively protruding rectum, I think is the term. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, even with that, just like fantastic models, really enjoyed it. Um, I also finished uh, the Corvus Cabal box set from Warcry and Grashnak's Despoilers from Warhammer Underworlds. Look at all of this. So that's what's been done. And then I've also been doing, uh, like, quote-unquote real hobby. Uh, oh, uh, how's with... Dreadfleet coming? <laughs> I actually... Hang on, we'll get to that. Oh, good. Um, I'm also painting three of the Underworlds Warbands for... Uh, the Stormcasts, so that's Steelhearts, the Farstriders, and Cursebreakers. But I'm painting them with actual paint, not contrast. And holy cow, that is tough work to paint with real paint. Because I've not painted with real paint in like almost a year yeah. since contrast came out pretty much. <laughs> yup. Um, hokey schmokes, but uh, I'm loving the way that they look. I did the Blades of Dawn scheme, so it's steel armor, gold trim, and purple, pretty much. Um, and I think they look really good. I'm really happy with the scheme. Cool. I don't want to do another Stormcast army, but damn it. You're <laughs> feeling the itch. It may not be a full Stormcast army, because it's... Truth be told, I don't particularly enjoy that book anymore. Um, but maybe a Cities of Sigmar edition might be in the pipe. So, huh, look at you. I see. There's that. And then I actually opened the box of Dreadfleet uh, because Chuck Moore has been working on his yep. throughout the process. Um, I'm like, okay, so you know what? If Chuck can handle it, I can handle it. So I opened the box, looked at the sprues, and put the lid back on the box. Um, <laughs> they're small and there's no instruction manual. There Fun isn't? Fact. No. The uh, diagrams to put these models together are on the outside of the box. Oh, that's like, right! I I didn't see it coming. Like, I lifted the lid. I'm like, those are the build instructions. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, that's Crap. right. Hey, remember so, when they used to do that? When they didn't have all these like step-by-step instructions on how to put every little bit together because they had like five pieces and they're like, you're you're not stupid. Figure it out. Yeah. Or they might show you a picture just with a model and then just all the pieces with the little dotted lines between kind of where they would link up, like the five parts mm-hmm. of Voltron. Yep. Yeah. Wow. God. I mean, the models are gorgeous. The detail is fantastic. I don't know. I don't know, man. No, so, I get it. 
it's interesting. Um, and then I also finished assembling all of my stuff for Song of Ice and Fire and getting that based up. So now it's just I have to prime a lot of models. Mechanica standard gray. So oh, that works. Well, it, I'm doing the whole thing concept army like they're pieces on a painted table. Um, if you've seen the show, like the painted table that they have at Dragonstone, the map right uh, table. So I'm painting them all like pieces on that. And I had initially thought about doing the characters full color, but like the cohesion bothered me. So I'm just going to do statues for all of it and do some fancier ones for the character models. Um, so that should get done fairly quickly once I actually do most of the work with the rattle can. So, well, that works. Yeah, I've been able to like build stuff more so than uh, actually like do a lot of painting for the most part during work. But I'm getting painting done every night. Um, and I had a hobby night with uh, John Wanger and Chris Landis from the Rockford area just the other night just to hang out and talk to people. It was actually pretty nice. Oh, yeah. Those online hobby hangouts, they're a godsend. Yeah. So that's my hobby. How about wow. you? Wow. Okay. So um, d- did I mention last time about the Star Wars models? The- I would- fancy ones that I asked what you were going to do them with and you said I don't know I just want to have them to have them and I questioned your life choices yeah uh, they were okay, on, they, they were on clearance at the Hobby Lobby yep and so yeah I picked those up and they're still in a box um, <laughs> I'll get to them um, let's see uh, I have been cleaning up the hobby area um and uh, I have been clearing out the hobby area because there's just too much stuff down here. The stuff I just realized I'm never really going to use again. So as I've been doing this, as most people know, I've been clearing it out. So I just want to say thank you to all the people who have helped with uh, with uh, with my with my grad school uh, 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 fund. Um, I have sold most of the things I've I've put up there. Uh, I now no longer have Adeptus Titanicus, Arkham Horror, the original Horus Heresy Fantasy Flight board game. No longer have Gore Chosen, Space Hulk, uh, Blackstone Fortress, Necromunda, Horus Heresy Books 1 and 3, uh, Speed Freaks, Song of Ice and Fire, Star Wars Legion, my Tau Army, or my Dark Angels Army. Um, not quite an army, but, you know, a lot of models. Um, oh, and I also sold off the Nurgle half of that set that came with the with the Primaris Marines. That's gone too. Uh, I still have a lot of Star Wars Legion terrain, the Adeptus uh, Mechanicus terrain. I got that Dreadfort uh, thing. Um, I still have Grisha's Gold Tooth, the original metal in the box. I got Scrag the Slaughterer metal in the box. I got a Chimera in the box. The Battle for Vedros box. The Orlock Gang. Two boxes of iron breakers, a box of hammerers, and and I've got people looking at it, but no takers. This would be the oh god if I could get rid of this, um, including the battle foam. It's in. I got over twenty eight hundred dollars, I think, worth of ultramarines, and I've been posting those on various sites, asking for about thirteen hundred plus shipping. I figured with shipping, it'll be still over half off, but that's a big ticket. You know, and I get it. People can't buy it. Everyone wants me to split it up, and I'm like, Ugh, I could probably make more if I split it up. I could ask a little more, but 
then I know I'm going to sell off like like a third of it or a half of it, and then I'm going to be sitting on this other stuff. So I'd rather find someone who wants to do that all at once. But I've got money for college now, and uh, honestly, all it, here's the crazy thing. Now I know you're laughing because I still want to add to that because Harrison's got the, his old high elf army. And he's not going to use it anymore, so he's like, that can go, along with all the uh, War Machine stuff. He's got uh, War Machine stuff. So I've got all that to go. I still have I have more death than you want to know about if you include the Night Haunt in that. You know, I've got, I've got, I've got easily, well, what did we say? I could field the, the, grand, a lot, the grand thing with all of the, the battalions in it. The procession. Night. Yeah, I could field the grand procession. I have enough to field all of it. Um, I've got so much death back when I had a Vampire Counts army. I've still got my Dwarden army. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I have s- still have so much stuff left that it's like, I, you know, I, did, I have gotten a couple of emails from people who are like, um, are you okay? Like, this doesn't sound good that you're literally selling all your Warhammer stuff. I am not even close to selling all my Warhammer stuff. I just am selling the stuff that I realize I am not, I don't have time to play with. Um, and I still have a lot to go, but it's, you know, I, 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 I've, I've seen the back wall of the, of the, of the game closet finally for first time in a long time. So, you know, that, and that's, that counts as hobby. If buying stuff counts as hobby, clearing stuff out counts as hobby. So, that's what I've been doing, um, basically because that's all I have time for. I'm actually we, we're back to school, and even though it's online school, I'm still like working. I mean, the same hours I would be teaching. Um, I'm not doing all classes now, but I'm still. It's dude, this is weird. Nobody was ready for this. I don't care what anybody says. This is weird. Um, and my students are not really ready for it. Um, but we're all taking that into consideration when we're doing assignments and doing grading and stuff like that. It's bananas. Um, yeah. Now, grad school, hey, I, I signed up for online courses, so my stuff hasn't changed at all. In fact, I think it's gotten a little harder, but that's just me. But so I'm on week two of five for this section of grad school, so I've got to get through that. And uh, in fact, that, yeah, unless you count grad school, uh, I've not done any gaming either because I'm too busy doing all that other stuff. But, yeah, I haven't even been able to play games with Harrison because he's home, but he's got school. And that boy is, he. I, I feel bad for him because his, I mean, he, he never planned on doing, um, he never planned on doing an online course from home. So he's got these courses that are pretty hard, and he doesn't have as much access to his teachers. So he's he's actually doing more. He's putting in far more time on his work than he was back when he was actually at college because it's he's he's got to figure out a lot more of it for himself. So I feel bad for the kid. So I don't. He doesn't. We don't even have time to game anymore. Like I come down in the evenings and I'm I'm sitting reading or working on papers, and we just put on movies and stuff. And we kind of hang out for a little bit, but that's all we have time for. So, that's my long stupid story. What about you? You said you had a hobby night. Did you guys? I mean, have you guys? I know this. We put that thing up on the Facebook page. I know some people are using that thing to do the on playing games online. I have like not, the tabletop simulator. Yeah, I haven't figured that out. But then again, who, yeah. So who expected me to really? 
Yeah. Um, so I actually did uh, try out Tabletop Simulator for uh, Song of Ice and Fire to play against the guys from the indie. Um, but I haven't had time to play it lately. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fine. My intention is I'll be purchasing at least Warhammer Underworlds online from Steam. Um, possibly Blood Bowl, but I can't. I don't know if I can bring myself to do Blood Bowl online. Oh, because... I, I tell you what, I own one of the Blood Bowls from Steam. Uh, I got, I think it's Blood Bowl Two or something like that. And I've played out several seasons alone on that. I really like that, and that you could play online. I didn't think about that. I would totally play that online with someone. It's actually fun. It's a lot easier because you don't have to sit there and count out all your damn steps. The computer figures that stuff out for you. Yeah, but I roll so many ones, it's not even funny. So I don't know if I want to spend money to like watch my guys epically fail because they tripped on a piece of grass. So well, that's true, but it's usually pretty inexpensive. I mean, that game is. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's not right now, but I, I've seen it, you know, on sale a couple of different times. So yeah, well, we'll see. I just haven't decided if that's a, a route I want to go. If I want to torture myself a little bit that way, but we'll see you. what happens. Oh, um, since buying stuff counts as hobby, uh, you know, I've and I've never released it. We, Christopher and Harrison, I recorded forever ago a Garage Gamer for who goes there. Who Goes There is The Thing, but that's the original, you know, the name of the book was Who Goes There. And they came out mm-hmm. with a second edition. So they added four more characters, and they expanded on the rules, and uh, I jumped in on that Kickstarter because I figured we love that game. We've played it a lot. So extra characters, and actually, I, I, I put in the extra money because now they, they've made a new box and a new case to put it all in, so you could fit the whole big set in there if you had the first set. So I got in on that mm-hmm. and Return to Dark Tower. I'm waiting on that. I'm not going to get that till Christmas, but boy, oh boy. Have you seen Do you know what Dark Tower is? Please tell me you know what Dark Tower is. You don't know like Dark. Stephen King? No, 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 no. Dark Tower was this old board game in the 80s with this big black dark tower with then it was like an electronic game. You'd push buttons on the little tower panel, and then little things would move inside. And it would put a flash a little light behind it to a, to these little, you know, these little pictures so you could see them. And it was sort of like a Dungeons and Dragons thing. You'd go to a quest to all the different realms to get the keys, and then when you got back to your realm with all the keys, you'd go unlock the tower and fight the dragon. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just look up Dark Tower on like eBay or whatever, and you'll see the game. It's it's it was in the 80s. It was the coolest fantasy type game you could buy um and th- i mean it's out of print forever like you to get a complete set you can get them on ebay for like 250 300 for this game um they there a, a company came out with a new version of it and it was kickstarted and it's like a much more involved a much cooler game but it still has the big tower and i just i bought like a little piece of my childhood by investing in that so i know that's not really necessarily hobby progress just doing kickstarters but I did, and it's awesome. And you should look at that Return to Dark Tower because I can't wait to get this. I'm going to play the heck out of that game. Yeah. Totally off track. Who cares? Whatever. Um, It's okay. And you got any other? No. No? Not even nothing? Okay. 
I've, I've got, like you said, when I'm when I'm working on homework and grading, I've always got something on in the background, and I haven't been just playing podcasts in the background because I'm not the only one in the house anymore, or I'm not the only one around. So I've been putting on movies, and oh, by the way, a shameless plug for something that I they, that is not a sponsor, um, Shutter S H U D D E R. Uh, it's one of these uh, streaming services, but it's horror movie streaming. And yeah, it's, dude, sixty bucks for a year. I went in on that, and I went in hard. I've been watching. So I love horror movies. I I don't get to watch them. I never get to watch them because I always had the kids around. But now that they're older, they can either leave the room or sit and watch with me. And we, I've had that stuff on almost every night. Harrison's laughing because he's just like, "There's so much." I watch so much trash because it's got a lot of old movies on there. It's not all bad. You're an idiot. Shut up. Um, I've watched Halloween 1 through 5, Friday the 13th 1 through 3, Hellraiser 1 and 4, The Void. By the way, The Void, heavily recommended. It's very Lovecraftian. I love that movie quite a bit. Uh, Prom Night, The Fog, Prince of Darkness, all these. Oh, it's so much trash. Microwave Massacre is on there, which is one of the dumbest and worst horror movies ever made. The guy's got a microwave bigger than an oven. You can microwave people in it. Um, the only thing about this movie that's even remotely funny is the dude who's the main character. You you, you know the 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 uh, the Frosty the Snowman cartoon you see every year at Christmas. The they put the hat on and he goes Happy Birthday, and then they go run around. They go to the North Pole to save him. The guy who does the voice. The only other thing he ever did besides the voice of. Frosty the Snowman was the main guy, the killer cannibal guy in Microwave Massacre. It's awful. It's I, I, that is true. I'm not lying. Shut up. Um, I watched a documentary on Wesley Willis, who is a Chicago uh, musician, the Wesley Willis fiasco. Uh, I watched The Exorcist. I watched Dr. Sleep today. That was fantastic. And I'm throwing this one out there for anyone who might be a fan of non-horror movies. Um, I, 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 I'm a, I like the book Little Women. I read it when I was in like seventh grade, and I got made fun of horribly, but I really liked that book. And I just saw the new version of it. My wife rented it, and we watched it together. It was wonderful. Total side thing. Little Women, the new version, is wonderful. I loved it. So that's my other. Is just If you can get Shudder and watch, if you like 80s and 70s, oh, Phantasm, watch that. Oh, so much good schlock horror. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so full disclosure, I hate horror movies. Oh, um, really? Because I think they're dumb. They are dumb, um, but they're wonderful. No, they're just see, dumb. See, you am dumb. No, see, I I grew up like watching the old uh, Svengooli and all the old horror movies when I was a little kid. And when I got into high school, I would work. I worked at Hades Haunted House. You know, you you probably remember Hades Haunted House. You live in the Chicagoland area. They were the biggest haunted house in in yes. In I've seen commercials. Never been. I worked there. Like, and I had friends. We loved. Like, I loved those that genre of horror films because it was before CGI when everything had to be practical effects you had to know how to make these things and make them and we were all in like we read Fangoria magazine we were all into this stuff the special effects and how they were done I was a theater kid like we loved that stuff so I I got into horror movies 
like the 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 really gross ones, you know, gourmet zombie chef from hell, or the Undertaker and his pals, or Blood Feast, all those Herschel Gordon Lewis films, the Reanimator. Like we watched them because we were fascinated how you could actually do those. Like how, trying to figure out how they did it. Um, I just love it. But do you you hate them because I mean, is it just because they're kind of dumb or any other reason? Largely dumb. Um, I don't. I don't particularly see a lot of value in watching a movie strictly to get scared or to have those jumpy moments. I think they're kind of dumb. Uh, <laughs> but that's just me. Again, I also don't like the Michael Bay Transformers. Well, that's because they suck. Care. That is very true. Um, and so, I love the Transformers. I wanted to like those movies. They're terrible. No, no, they're 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 god awful. But that's besides the point. Um, so I have very weird tastes in movies anyway, um, but I've just never really liked the horror genre. It's just not something that ever really appealed to me. So you're not going to um, take my advice and get Shudder? No. Okay. Dave, no. Oh, there's a cool documentary series on there called Cursed Films where they literally talk about movies that are considered cursed, like Poltergeist, where half the half the cast of the original movie died under weird circumstances later after the movie was made. It's cool, but I digress. Go ahead. No, no, I, I'm good, homie. <laughs> All right, you know what? Um, that's the toolbox, and we normally don't include them in a lore or a war episode. Um, but uh, I don't know. Like, we haven't. Like, you know, hobby has been everything for people lately. You're on Twitter. You're on this. You're on that. Um, oh, speaking of which, we didn't even mention the 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 Games Workshop. Those uh, on Twitch, the the stuff they showed. Oh, the the two half previews? Well, actually, they've been quarter previews. Yeah, I mean, that was all the stuff they were going to show at Akon, right? That wasn't all. That wasn't that was all. Half. Well, are we getting the other half at some point, or are they just putting it all on hold? Yeah, they the have another on one on, as of time of recording, they have another one on the 18th. Oh, I, wait, they have already done two? Yes. Oh, I they thought... have another one Saturday morning. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay, I'm I'm telling you, uh, I know it. You know, nobody knows what army's going to grab their. Like I said, I thought the Bone Reapers when I heard about them were going to be my next death army. Like, oh, just another death army, and we all know that I am not a fan. Um, the 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 hinky dink Lunclords, the the new elves, the disappointing elves. Yeah, <laughs> Lumineth Realm Lord. That's them. I couldn't. Rem- you know, I'm no good with names. I am so all in on this. Like I, like Harrison's excited, and he, he. The only thing he doesn't like are the the elves wielding uh, mallets, because he's he's yeah he's sitting here. You can't hear him because he's across the room, but he's just shouting. Elves don't have hammers. Like he's like, why don't they? Well, he basically said, "Why are he goes? They're obviously like the white lions. Why don't they have axes?" He goes, "The hammers are for dwarves," um, and I and I see that. I see what he's saying. They are giant and cylindrical, and they are by no means the the beautiful weapons that uh, that elves would. Use. I am all in on every single one of these models. I don't care. I know Teclas's face looks a little weird, and I'm not. Uh, I just I the 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 the, the giant bull god. Uh, off the Monster Magnet album covers, I'm in on 
all of it. Like, I cannot wait for this army to come out. And I'm not going to go in all in and buy all that stuff because I got all this other stuff to do. I promised myself I won't. But I told Harrison we can buy it one unit at a time and as long as we get it painted and stuff. And he's... And he's all and he's all about. He wants classic high elf cult. Like he's like, nope, none of this tan nonsense. He's like the blue and white. That's what we're doing. And I am, so, I I love it. I I have not been. I don't. I don't remember the last time I was this excited for an army that came out. Like I liked. I like a lot. Heck, I even like the night haunt stuff. But a lot of it's you know it's that typical death stuff. I. I love this army. I am so in. But that 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 was my big takeaway when they were sh- all from all the different things they showed. What did, what anything in there that you particularly were excited about? The Sons of Bahamut. Oh yeah, yeah. That's um, <laughs> yeah. Knowing what I know, and I'm hoping that they'll actually show what's coming on the 18th. Um, Oh, that's right. I forget. Sometimes I'm ridiculously forget. excited uh, for this book. Um, and it's all big monsters, knowing, right? I mean, literally, I mean, there's it's it's all giant. It's all big stuff, right? I mean, we know there's giants in it. And... Well, the Sons of Bahamut, like from the background that we have already, it's just a race of gargants. Yeah. So. <sighs> You know, you, I don't know. You had to know this was coming. They keep writing all these armies. You know, I, I, you can... Yeah, no. This was... And this has been like one of those things that like the people that have way too much time on their hands have found on like the order slips coming from China or whatever. And it's like, guys, <laughs> don't be knobs. But, um, hey, man, no, he's to so, his own. If that's what you want to do with your time, do that with your time. I couldn't care less. I, just, I don't... Honestly, yeah. I don't... So, I don't follow all that stuff because like i just want to see it when they when they show it to me i don't want to see some yeah. grainy pictures i just mm-hmm. i'm so, patient yeah so they've got this finally coming out it's a new destruction army um which is something about time that they sorely been missing so uh no it's really exciting times um and then honestly i really liked the fabius bile model oh yeah um I thought he was pretty cool. I may get one to paint for fun at some point when I clear through the backlog. Um, the lion for the Horus Heresy looks pretty cool. Oh, um, yes. But he's not Vulcan, so he doesn't matter. Um, I, 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 I really like the lion. I, I can't help it. I don't want to like him, no, no. but I think he's awesome. No, it's a fantastic sculpt. I mean... Any of the Primark models are great models. Oh, no, I'm talking so. just story-wise. Like, he's one of the Primarchs oh, story that I really yeah, like. He's, I, I know um, so many people hate him, and I'm just, I think that might be why I like him. Yeah. So, I mean, we've got some cool stuff coming out. I just, it's nonstop from them. So, um, we'll just have to see where things go in the future. But, yeah. Yeah. No, there's cool stuff. But so, okay. So, let's get on to Cities of Sigmar. Let's do this. Let's, uh... You know what? Let's jump in. Let's not take a break right yet because um, I'd like to get moving on this. Yeah, there's a lot to cover. Okay. So, um, okay, everybody knows the, you know, the, you know, the the Age of Chaos comes. 
Chaos puts its big push after Sigmar loses his hammer like a big dope. Um, or as, as Godrek would put it, the thunder dunce. Um, after he loses his hammer and things get bad, he retreats into the realm, locks all the doors. Things go bad. Um, then they come out. We have the Realm Gate Wars and post-Realm Gate Wars. All of our gains, we start building huge bastions, uh, uh, these mega megalopolis-sized cities. Um, and that's what this book is about. And I'm enjoying it. I mean, a lot of it is sort of rehashing, but it's interesting to see kind of who's where and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, it it's... I I will say this. When this first came out, I kind of felt this was the book. It's like, um, this is all the stuff that we, that the old stuff that we don't have a place to put. But then it's not even all the old stuff because there's a lot of stuff that's not even, that's still not here. Um, but it, it's, after reading this, it, it, it came together. It gelled much more cleanly. Mm-hmm. Than I expected it to. I really, yeah. I really expected it to kind of just become. And I mean, no offense to the writers. Like I was, I didn't think that they were going to just sleep on the job. But I'm like, how do you put all this together in any way that's really fun and interesting, and not just this is all the stuff you already the models you already had. So here you go. And they did it. They pulled it together pretty well. Hmm. Um. The cover's great. I do like the cover. Um, With the greatsword and the Retributor Prime. Yeah. Yeah, I love... Okay, greatswords were always one of those really cool uh, models. Like, I didn't play the Empire, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But they're just so... Okay, in a, in a fantasy setting game, I never wanted to play humans because there was all these cool races to play. Like, why would I want to play humans, right? Um, but there was always something about the the Empire that that hit a, a, a proper chord with me, even though I didn't want to play it, you know? Mm-hmm. It just, you know, look at all, I mean, you look at all the races. You've got all these, distru- you know, you've got giant ogres, you've got orcs and goblins, you've got elves, dwarven, you've got dead things running around. And then you've got men, just men, not gods, not magical, just men. And they hold their own. And it's, I love that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I never had Mm -hmm. a desire to play it because there's so many cool other things that you could sort of do. But I just love, they're just men standing against all of these horrors. And Let's face it, there are more horrors in the eight realms than there ever were in, in the old world. Oh, yeah. And, and, and they still, they stand up against all of it. Mm-hmm. The line is drawn here, no father. You know, that kind of thing. And I just, and that's what I, lo- that's what I loved reading this book. That's gotten me really excited for this book. Um, so should we jump into it? Yeah, for sure. All right, I'm gonna I'm, let's I'm gonna skip over Bastions of Hope, which is just sort of the you know that's the the first couple pages is your you know your general you know the general two page 
this this is the too long didn't read. You can read this first couple pages and at least get an idea. I do think though that the Bastions of Hope um, pages four and five have like some interesting notes with regards to the building. Go ahead and how they start. So it starts. Most of them are built around a storm keep, so of varying degrees of success and different storm hosts. So, like, Hammerhall is obviously built around Hammers of Sigmar, um, Anvilgard, and was held in Hammer. You get the idea. Um, but essentially, they first build the storm host or build the storm keep, and then the next thing that happens is. The Devoted, uh, so the Flagellants now, um, they sanctify and cleanse the lands surrounding the Stormkeep. Um, so this is essentially like they literally walk around and hit themselves, hence flagellation, bleeding on the ground. And the ground is purified by faithful blood. Yeah. Is the lengths that they have to go through to get rid of the taint of chaos. So that like blood magic. It's something we've always been associated with Marathi, but this is like no, no Sigmar uses it too because it's the that's blood of the how... martyrs purifying the land. It's mm-hmm. I mean it's 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 you know it's the basis of almost any religion, and yeah. that's exactly what this is. These are the devoted of Sigmar, his worshippers right. cleansing the land. Now you said it's built around a stormkeep, but each stormkeep is built near or around or at a realm gate. So you got a realm gate. What they want to hold the realm gate. They're building this fort around it. You get a storm keep with your storm hosts, and you. Thank you for pointing this out because that is not. I, I, I totally forgot. The page is all black with white writing. I can't highlight on it, so I kind of. I well, tend to skip. It's it's saving itself from your heresy. Um, Stop it. No. So yeah, it's built around the, the realm gate. And then you have the storm keep. So it's concentric circles. Essentially, is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um. And then the ground is purified by the devoted. Like the really nasty bits have to get sorted out by Sacrosancts or Collegiate Arcane, mm-hmm. uh, which is the wizards. And then the Dwarden moved in um, to begin lay down the roots, the buildings. Um, free guild start constructing points, and then they start building buildings and districts like any other major metropolis, um, but essentially moves out in concentric rings. Um, ish. It's kind of like how it's imagined to me. And even the pictures on pages five to four, where it starts in that middle, where it's the realm gate. Or four to five, if you're counting in any normal place. No, no, but there is a purpose and a reason uh, I, I know, said I know exactly why you said it. I'm just teasing you. Go for it. Jerk. So <laughs> it starts with, that, with the center with the realm gate, and then it moves out and down concentric walls to like middling districts these grand highways into the more highborn district and then you have what i'm imagining is a lowborn district which looks very similar in stylings to some of the things from the old world like i look at the shanty-ish town that they've got built here around whatever city this is and it's kind of like yeah that looks very familiar it's less and less grand as you go out. The beautiful giant places, then the slightly smaller places, then it goes from stone to these wood places that are all built up and out and just all strung together. And yeah, it, I see. What and you're then saying. there's the massive uh, fortress wall behind it. So 
um, like if you've read it or if you've watched um, Attack on Titan, yep, it's the same kind of thing. It also reminds you of Minas Tirith. Yeah, just the concentric circles around the main, the main yeah. fortress. Um, you know, Game of Thrones captures it a lot in their cities too. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. No, it's no, cool. it's good stuff. Um, and I think, and the other thing with the cities is that it just depends on the populace that lives there, of what are particular districts. If there's, um, like a big following of Darkling Coven's, that would be like a seedier, grimier district, um, because that's what they do. If it's a more Dwarden based, then it's a little more industrial focus. So it's just, it's just everything that gets captured and its own unique twist on the realm that it's in. So, yeah. All right. So, um, well, maybe we should, uh, let's, I guess let's do go to the setup. And before we get into all the different cities, we'll do these next few parts and then we'll take a break. Cause we've got a bit of the timeline and a bit of this, uh, setup here. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, the book goes in and talks about stuff we already know. The Age of Myth, Sigmar gathers the Pantheon together, Teclas Tyrion, the Ever Queen, Gorkamorka. Uh, you know, he's he's a bit of a, a doofus and he uh, frees Nagash from the, the, the Nagash is basically buried under a mountain. And he let him out because he needed his help, which was not smart. But Sigmar is a bit trusting. Um so I mean, it was it was wonderful, right? It was a wonderful place, and Azerheim was the best place of them all. Um, and that's you know that's where Sigmar built everything. He had the Eternal City, Realm of Heavens. Um, you know, it's he's got malice. You know, he basically the core of the world that was floating above his city. You know, above in his realm. It's I mean. It's the the last thing from him when he when he when he uh you know when the world was destroyed. Uh he's got all of this hanging here and um but you still have the same problems, you know, greed, envy, lust for power. And slowly you've got corruption. You've slowly got the bits of chaos getting their fingers into it. Um and this causes the problem. And this, as we all know, is when Sigmar locks his gates in the Age of Chaos. Um, then he goes through ruthlessly purging any taint of chaos out of his own realm. Um, and that's that's you know that's what has to happen. And uh, so then you've got all this stuff happening, and basically. That's you know that's 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 the realm that we have uh, before the gates open. Before we have this is the, the the one lasting city of Sigmar that lasts you know from before the Age of Chaos because he locked the gates. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some interesting stuff. I like this this little bit on the Grand Conclave though. Yep, I was going to mention that as well. You want to run with that then? Go ahead. Yeah. So, Azerheim is originally governed by a Senate. Um, representing the largest factions, districts, etc. Um, but during the Age of Chaos, obviously, bad people get on there. Politicians corrupt. It's a thing. Um, we live in Illinois. It's just a thing. So um, that leads to like a bloody civil war during the middle of it. Sigmar has his purge, and then he hand-selects 
244 of the city's finest leaders. And if those of you that don't know the square root, um, it's 12 times 12. Um, and 12 is kind of like his sacred number. Um, if he had one. 12 uh, times 12 is 144. Is 144? Well, 10 times 12 is 120. Shut and two up. times 12 is 24. I failed math three times in college. Leave me alone. Okay. Um, but he's anyway. he's 100 better if you count each of sure. those guys. Yeah, so. Uh-huh. Whatever. Um, so the point is um, it's a whole different cross-section of how they look at things. So like the six high artisans, four are Dwarden, one is an elf, and then one is a human – but they take care of all the construction, et cetera. So it's trying to pick out the best people for the job. Um, and he rarely attends the Senate, but he has a statue there that says, okay, this is what you're building towards. But if you screw up, I'm going to hurt you. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, come on, guys. Uh, I may not be here, but I'm, all, I'm always watching Wazowski. Always watching. Yeah. So then... Uh, the cities of Sigmar, as they get built, they build their governing bodies off of like the Grand Conclave as a base. So it's like a small council, essentially, is ruling each city, um, if you're going to use the Game of Thrones comparison. Um, and they have one position, which is the Master Patriarch. So that's essentially the governor or Hand of the King in this case. But it's not really like the best spot to be in. Because you have to deal with so many different things at once while trying to answer to a god. So it's a lot to be responsible for. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's great, though. I love the, I love that bit of the story that he's, that, you know. All right. Now, yeah, I'm, I'm watching. Even the hint of corruption. I'm going to come down on you guys like a... Well, like like a bolt from my warhammer, I suppose. Uh, let's cover any uh, the the timeline. And you know what? I'm I'm kind of. Can I just say I like that the when they just sort of list the time periods and give you the stuff and don't do the giant space circles timeline stuff. I'm, it's just a personal preference. It's easier to read for me. Yeah. No. Agreed. Um, so I think the only thing. There's only two things that really stuck out to me because most of these have been brought up already. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the first Purge of Excelsis where the White Reaper earns his epithet uh, yes. from the City of Secrets. Um, and then the other one is the Battle of Blista Back. Um, so this is Anvilgard. Um, so that's based on the shores of the Searing Sea. It's largely Corsairs, um, Scourge Privateers. Uh, anvil, anvils of the Elven Hammer. Um, but they have to, and they have a group of criminals called the Black Scale Coil that essentially they want to stop the Oryx that have been floating around on the shanty port from interfering with their business. So they pressure the Conclave to say, all right, let's go after them with the full might of the city. So they do like this massive sea battle. Um, like full on pirate stuff. Um, maybe it's because I'm looking at building Dreadfleet. I don't know. I blame Chuck Moore for this. 
So, I blame Chuck Moore for a lot of things. Yes. I mean, why not? So, no, that was really it. There was not a lot in the space timeline that really, like, said anything to me. Well, I mean, and this is a lot of stuff we've heard before. I did like the exactly. stuff with Greywater Fastness because I just love the idea that, you know, they've cleared out this place and they, there's so much destruction and fighting that they create this no man's land around the city, which we cover later. And they have, I mean, they literally have, and this, I think the reason I like this is because it literally, excuse me, it reminds me of um, the forests from the old world. Um, What's it called? What's, I forget the name of it. But the one where the wood elves all lived. And, Ethel Lauren. Yes, thank you. Um, they literally, even though we're supposed to be, we're at least nominally, allies with the people here, um, so much destruction is wreaked around the city during these battles that the, the ground is a wasteland. And there are certain uh, uh, elements that live in Gairan that uh, don't take kindly to all that that natural vegetation being destroyed and they don't care that we're allies. They want to kill us for it. And we literally have to negotiate. There is a heavily guarded road that you can go down. And that's the only part that way in or out of the city. You go off of that, they will kill you. And I like that because it reminded me of that sort of that danger of Atholoran. Um, these things are not necess- I mean there are allies but they are not our friends. The 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 Sylvaneth are they are very alien creatures. They are not humans. They are not like humans. They are not they they may have a humanoid form but they are not like us and they don't like us. And I kind of I I find that to be real I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. That's just something that grabs me. So I think the big thing is that they let people in to gray water, <laughs> but they don't let you out. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 creepy. It's really weird, and it's it's it was an interesting twist. Like I was like, you know, that's that that that's not anything I would have come up with if I was writing the story for this place. You know, and mm-hmm. I, I liked it a lot. But you know what? Let's take a break, and when we come back, let's talk about. Uh, well, many of the cities here. We'll talk about a bunch of the cities before we get into the uh, the different uh, the different characters that actually live in these cities. So we'll be right back. and you're listening to Garish Hammer! Back, 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 back! We are back right here now. Wow, that was amazing. I just made that up off the top of my head. But pretty impressive, huh? Tell me your yeah, press. So exactly. Oh, come on, man! You got to roll with it. I did. I rolled right <laughs> past it. Oh, you um, suck. Okay, Hammerhall. 
Um, so I think we should talk about how this book breaks down before we get into sure, what sure. we're talking about. Um, so there's only so many cities in this book. Uh, and they talk about the big ones, um, most of which that were founded during the Seeds of Hope campaign um, and the Season of War. That's what it was. Um, so it's just those cities. So what we're talking about here is just the cities, like the allegiances that you can play in the book itself. So just the narrative for those cities. But you can certainly feel free to create your own using the rules from the allegiances. So don't limit your narrative just because you only you are very locked into some choices when we get to it later. We have talked so, so many times about how this game is, what, four years old or five years old in July? I think it's five years old five. in July, right? Yep. And we talked about how the stuff we know about the realms... I think I described it as if the entire realm was a pizza, then we've got one piece of pepperoni on the pizza. And there's like all this realm left. Like there's so much we haven't discussed. So this is not even close to all the cities. This is just some of the major ones they've taken that we know stories about. So there's so much out there for you if you want to make up your own stuff or if you want to, you know, hope that there's going to be there's so much room for more stuff. Yeah, and we've seen other cities like Glimsforge, um, Lethys, um, in Shat in a uh, Shyish. So, like, it the ground is there. Um, so just, and I think the big thing is that you can take anything in any of these cities. So don't let the prescribed fluff or background like really limit where you're going with this. Um, but it's just like what we have here is like the brief histories of some of the cities um the particular ones are the big ones from the season of war so um hammer hall uh which is the twin tailed city it's actually a city in two pieces um the first of which is in akshi and then the second half is in gyran so that's the realms of fire and life and it's linked together by the storm rift realm gate and the two of them are like what's the word they like symbiotic. it's like a symbiotic relationship yeah um full trade um so essentially like you have the food and raw building materials from gyran dealing with the industrial component from akshi and they actually run rifts of lava into gyran from akshi to keep the woods and vegetation at bay around Hammerhall Gyra. It's like a it, it's basically like a really large scale lava moat around yeah. the whole city just because the vegetation grows so well. I mean it's the realm of life, what do you expect? But right. it, it, it's it, it gets it, it it's like when you get like vines and stuff and ivy crawling up on your and you gotta go and have it, you know, you got a brick house and you got ivy up the side it gets into the mortar and then you got to have it all pulled out and get tuck pointing done to, or else your house falls down. Same concept. Mm -hmm. Um, This is, this is a cool, the the twin city, the whole concept of this is pretty, is pretty cool. I like it. Yeah. Um, And it's Stormkeep is run by the hammers of Sigmar. So that's your golden boys. Um, And even their idiosyncrasies or idiot syncrasies, depending on how you want to call it, um, have infected the populace of Hammerhall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's the pride, the we cannot fail, um, we have to be the best. 
So they have that same kind of like stubborn pride. Um, they are very martial. Like they have this whole series of schools called the Martial Academy uh, for their commanders to learn how to use all the different parts and pieces that can make up an army. They select specific auxiliary corps for mm-hmm. particular tasks based on the units they have available. Um, but it's primarily free guild. So yeah. that's your old empire humans. Um, and these are a combination of settlers from Azir and then the reclaimed, which are the non chaos worshiping survivors um, from each of the realms. Mm-hmm. And they even like mentioned like the rift between the Azirborn and the reclaimed. It's like the better than sort of thing. Oh sure. And then and there's there and there's there's uh there's a bit of pride and a bit of uh I don't know, uh, a bit stuck up. Um I do like they are the biggest armies, they're the best equipped armies and they are super proud of that fact. Um I do like that that they talk about how each of the they they have seven different militia guilds. And each one of those comes from one of the one of the tribes that Sigmar brought into the realm of heavens before he closed the gates. So he had these different tribes, all of them with different specialties. And when they came out and were putting together, th- this is they they literally descended from these 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 um these other lines of people from uh, from there. I, I and I like their pride with their battle standards and stuff like that. The great mm-hmm. battle standards. Uh, this is a great bit if you're reading along in the book. It's on page 13 in that last column. Um, and this is something that goes back to the old... This was in the old... Uh, the Empire books was the same way. They would have these big, you know, overblown, huge, uh, intricate battle standards that they would bring into battle. And they could never lose them. They couldn't fall on the ground. None of that stuff. Like, it was disgraced. In fact, if you lost it, it was horribly disgraceful. Um, it says, only once in the history of Hammerhall has such a disaster occurred. Okay? So, to be taken, damaged, or destroyed. Only one time did it happen. And on that occasion, the free guild, the dishonored free guild in question, basically just it was taken, and they had no other choice. They had to go try to get it back. They didn't because they went against a greenskin horde eight times their size. But that's the type of that's to them that wasn't just suicide. It was well, if we don't, we have to die with the banner, or or we have to have the banner. We can't lose it. Um, this is the type of pride you see in in Hammerhall armies. Uh, it's it's it. This is the one that most reminds me of the Empire. <laughs> so I like that. I think it's pretty neat. Yeah. Is there anything we need to add about Hammerhall? Not really, I don't think. Um, it's kind of like the mega city of mm-hmm. the mega cities. So yeah, it's like Ultramar, like if, you know, best of the best type stuff. <sighs> For our forty k loving friends, I'm just throwing that out there. Ultramar? Yeah. The planet where the Ultramarines come from. The best of all the space marines. That is the dumbest name for a planet ever. Possibly. Ultramar. Ultramarines. So the living city um, <laughs> is based in the realm of Gyran in the Everspring Swath. Um, and this one is a unique construction because it was actually raised up by Alariel herself. Yes. Um, raised 
she raised the roots of the Everspring Swath um, to start to form, like, the halls, the walls, um, and, like, the orchards and everything. So it's like a li- it's literally a living city. This because... reminds me the most of uh... Ethel Lauren, or even if you want to go back to Tolkien stuff, where the where where um, where the oldest of the elves lived, where they literally crafted. They didn't have you don't see actual houses; you just see the trees and mm-hmm. the actual veggies formed into what they need. It's literally a part of. It almost looks like a natural outgrowth of these things that's all formed out of it. it. It doesn't look like any stone craft or wood craft. It's 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 a very magical looking place, as as opposed. To, I, I mean, I mean, it is a magical place, but it, it looks it. It feels like it. That's. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. Um, so this is the first city of the Seeds of Hope that gets built in Gyran, um, in the. Storm host at the center of it is of the Gyran Guard, which is not one of these major player storm hosts that we've seen yet. Um, and since we haven't covered that new book, um, it's literally green and gold, unfortunately, is their color scheme. Um, mostly gold with green uh, accent. But they're all from Gyran. So, like, to the man and woman, they're all from Gyran. So... They feel a bigger kinship to Alariel than maybe they do to Sigmar because she's the goddess of that whole realm mm-hmm. and they're native sons and daughters of Gyran. So uh, the combination of the armies is made up of largely free guild, allied Sylvaneth, and uh, wanderers. And this is a unique thing because Alariel is not known for being forgiving. Um, the wanderers are the races of the elves that fled when uh, literally the filth hit the fan in Gyran. Um, they're the ones that took off. And Alariel said, well, you can't ever come back. Yeah, and if you um, don't know who we're talking about, if you know the old Wood Elf army, yep, anything in the Wood Elf army that didn't come over to the Sylvaneth army, that's who we're talking about. Yeah, so she actually gave them, like, this is a place where anybody in the realms of order or in the Pantheon, can find safe haven is the living city. So. Yeah, and their primary fighting style is, um, as you would expect, um, ambush-based, guerrilla tactics. Um, ambushing, feigned flights, traps, um, within traps. So they have a lot of that ambush mentality built into them with everything that they do because they all train together. Um, so it's not like you have the Phoenix Guard training with just the Phoenix Guard. It's the Phoenix Guard working together with crossbowmen, et cetera, et cetera. So they all have to learn how to work together. So it's, I think, the most cohesive melting pot type army mm-hmm. um, because they all instinctively train together. It's one standing army, not X many from whatever. Right. Um, so – yeah, that's really the big thing um, with the living city. Um, yeah, but they spend a lot of their time out in the home beyond the walls. So, like, actually spending time in Gyran and getting out of the city and learning how to use it to your advantage um, and surviving amongst it. So. Exactly. 
And let's see what's next. Oh, Greywater Fastness. Uh, Greywater Fastness. Um, <laughs> a blunt, uncompromising slab of iron ringed with cannon batteries and choked with the smoke of sprawling factory complexes. Greywater Fastness stands tall amidst the devastated no man's land of shattered trees and bubbling swamps. This is this is the one we were talking about with the with the road where it's deathly dangerous. Um I always thought it was weird that this place of machines and smoke and um well basically industrialization is in the realm of life. It, it creates conflict. I mean, it, it does. It, I mean, it, it seems incongruous to me. Does it? I mean, am I wrong here? I mean, no, no, it does because you would expect something like this to exist in the realm of metal, right? Or Akshi or something like that. But it actually exists in the realm of life, which is interesting. Only in that it creates conflict. It's an. It's to serve the counterpoint to the living city, because this is a very unnatural place. Whereas the living city is one with nature, this is clearly opposed to. Right. And it was, like I said, it was during one of these huge battles um, that, you know, they were attacked on literally on all sides by these bestial hordes, beastmen, Nurgle. I mean, just everything's coming at them. And uh, as it says in here, it's one of my favorite parts in this book. It says, um, there is a simple martial doctrine to which all the generals of Greywater Fastness adhere. The decisive application of overwhelming and often extravagantly excessive firepower. And that's what they did. They basically nuked everything around them. Um, and they won, but boy did they tick off the boy did they tick off the Sylvaneth who lived around there. Um, mm-hmm. To the point where they don't, you can't go out there now. It's dangerous because they're still they're still mad. Um, but this is this is how they work. If if you, I mean, if you think of every every cannon, every gyrocopter, every gyro bomber, every uh, rocket battery, anything that's black powder and oil and iron. Um, this is where it probably was made, and uh, boy, do they! Uh, boy, do they know how to use these weapons? <laughs> yeah, but I think the big thing is that you get a lot of raw natural resources from the realm of life, mm-hmm. so that's where they can like do their tinkering and experimentation. So true, but boy, I mean, at, like I said, at a cost because they are they are not. What they're doing is not appreciated by the people who live around there. Mm-hmm. All right, what do we got next? The Phoenicium. Yeah, this one is probably the closest thing to a holy city. It's the city of the Phoenix. Um, its walls are f- made of amber. Um, be- and this is something that was described in the season of war where, um, like, the Phoenix Temple found this place and it was like this massive city in ruin with everybody engulfed in amber that was where is it there it is um during a mighty battle the lower slopes of the mountain were torn asunder and a tidal wave of sticky sap was released engulfing the city and combatants before solidifying into a giant glacier of hardened amber um so 
the Phoenix is essentially like they do sky dances, freezing and melting, freezing and melting this amber to shape it into the Phoenicium. Um, the predominant culture here is that of the Earth Phoenix. So it's the guardian spirit worshipped by the Phoenix Temple. Yeah, this um, is primarily an elven city. Primarily elven. Um, Not and only, the, but primarily, yeah. Yeah, but it's a lot of like the faith, um, I think, is really what this is. It's more like a beacon of culture is mm-hmm. kind of like how they see themselves. Um, now, the Lions of Sigmar are the storm host at the center of the Phoenicium. Um, if you've not seen it, like Jimbo from the Mitzi and Jimbo show and then Oscar Lars Knutsen, those are like the two best examples of the gold and purple. Um, oh, yeah. Even using non-metallic metallic. Um, just absolutely gorgeous stuff from those guys. So it's a very striking scheme, um, but they're not one of the big ones that gets mentioned a lot. They're primarily like a cavalry focused mm-hmm. um, war host. So they're very interesting in that regard. Um, and this but, is a city that's more, I mean, now granted, they're ready to fight when they have to fight, but these guys, they, they pride themselves on being the most cultured of cities. I mean, it's a city made out of amber. I mean, it's, 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 and it's crafted by elven, basically elven magic. Um, it's, it's this, this, this is the closest they have to the pre age of chaos, elven places like this, this Mm -hmm. harkens back to that. And it's important to them. It's more about the culture and, the uh the the feel of this ancient elven uh homes you know than than just the battlegrounds although they're ready to fight but it's uh i like that's that, you know that's that's the the that's the bit of the lore that i like about the phoenicium mm-hmm. so that's just that's my two cents whatever um yeah. anvil guard now uh, this is in Akshi, of course. Um, it's a seaport, and it's right in the middle of a jungle, and uh, a jungle encircled by a volcanic mountain range. So, like, it's it's hot, steamy, gross, just ugh. Um, in fact, I love this. The, the jungle, it, it's almost like the realm of life where it's just sort of coming in and overgrowing everything with all this hot and steaminess. So they've got the uh, Ironweld alchemists from the the overlords. Uh, they basically created a defoliant gas, which is not supposed to be harmful to the people who live there. And it seems, I mean, there's nothing that says it is, but it is apparently, it says apparently harmless. And as soon as you put that in, I'm like, oh, is it really harmless? Because they would have just said it was harmless. But uh, the streets are, there's a fog in this place at all times. And it's this this, this gas that they put out on everything to keep the, the vegetation at bay. Um, that just throughout this city. It's... <laughs> I just I keep picturing it's it's a seaport town constantly encased in a weird fog. Um, it's I look at this as it's like it's Victorian England um, is how I looked at it, and that 
I'm thinking Jack the Ripper, um, because it suits those that work in the shadows. Yes. So this is the closest thing that we have to like the shadow elves, quote unquote, um, like the traditional Jurichi. Um, so like the Scourge Privateers, Darkling Covens, uh, Shadow Blades. They maintain this like traditionalist facade, but underneath it's just controlled by criminals. Yeah. Um, and pirates, which is amazing. Um, just from a background perspective. Sure. Um, so yeah, and they do have the black scale coil. So that's like the conclave is still there, but it's largely controlled by the coil. So, and it's your gang of criminals. So the mafia as it were. Um, so it still has like all the unscrupulous things. Um, and it's to the point that the Lord Veritans of the Amundals of the Heldenhammer have not gone out to go after these guys. <laughs> that's how bad it is. Yeah. That's, you know, that's that, that right there pretty much says it all, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got, I think, only two more. Yeah. Hello Heart and the Tempest Eye. Let's run through these. You want to take the Hello Heart? I'd prefer Tempest Eye, but that's okay. just me. All right, uh, Hello Knights founded it. it. Now this is this is a huge this is a huge crater. It's a giant geological pit with a giant tower in the middle. Um, the Weird Flame Drake, uh, or a Weird Flame Drake, uh, used to live there. Um, it was completely corrupted by Zinch. They went in, killed the thing, and now they uh, they've taken it over. So picture, I mean. I mean, a crater the size of a city, obviously. This huge, deep crater. And in the center, one giant stone spire left, which on, uh, the, on the top of which they've got a whole city going. Um, it's... This is... I love the picture on page 27. Like, you kind of mm-hmm. got to look at it to see it. It's very cool, because it's enormous. It's I mean, it's this giant tower of rock that can hold an entire city on it and around it and it's just these giant spirals of stairs cut out along the outer edges and inside there's all sorts of places carved into it and on top of it um and there's a lot of mining going on here um they've got ember stone here um which is full of in fact they said the uh, the white fire court which is the where the collegiate arcane is that's their their great hall it's made almost completely out of this stuff and this stuff morphs and twists daily according to the whims of its occupants now i'm not saying that reminds me of the the silver towers or whatever it's called what was that the crystal what is the zinch place the crazy place that's constantly changing the one that there's the crystal labyrinth that's it i'm not comparing it to the crystal labyrinth because that's chaos and not the but it sounds a lot like it to me. Well, they're settling in a place that was entirely corrupted by Zinch. Uh-huh. That was the primary living quarters of a, I'm assuming a god beast, that was corrupted by Zinch. So if you're setting up operations in what was essentially like Zinch's massive nesting point in the Realm of Fire, chances are it's going to be a little weird. Yeah, I'm focused on magic. It talks. Yeah, there's so much magic here. In fact, there's some a few interesting points. Um, 
the Hallowed Knights who live here are constantly going into secret missions inside the depths of the mines. Um, there are times when gro- entire groups of miners just disappear. Like they are con. This is. There are few places more vigilant, uh, searching out, looking for the corruption of chaos than this place, um, and it's there. It is still there. Like, they have not wiped it out completely. As much as they want the common folk to think they've got it handled, we know that they don't have it. And because of this, and because of this constant vigilance against chaos, uh, the people who live there see the, the, uh, see the Stormcast as basically angels. Angels in 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 solid form because they are the ones protecting them at every moment from the taint of chaos. It's pretty cool. Yeah, the when I was reading this now, this is like the primary spot for the Hallowed Knights. It's like that doesn't make any sense because if you think about them, they're very anti magic. Why would they be in a magic focused area? And it's like no, no, they're there to try to keep it under control. That's why it makes sense. Right. No, they're there. In fact, uh, wait, I just lost my page here. Great googly moogly. Here we go. Um, They talk about how, dude, this place is so saturated with magic that the people who, like everybody who lives there is saturated with it. Like they've all got a bit of, like it says Almost everyone in this population has some sort of strange powers, and it may be literal powers. Um, it's you know weird birthmarks, uh, excessive good luck, um, but it also makes them very resilient against magic. Um, they talk about how you know they'll be going into battle, and you'll have you know wizards just atta- you know evil wizards attacking them. You know there'll be great fireballs being thrown at them, and it'll just dissipate before it gets to them because they are so Im- they're just it's in their pores, um, which is pretty interesting. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, this is this is a gr- this is a cool pl- if you're into the magic thing. In this game, this there's a lot here for you. I think in Hello Heart, it's mm-hmm. I think it's pretty neat. I I like it personally. Yeah. Um. All right, last one, and then we're going to take another uh, quick break. Probably let's uh, look at Tempest Sai. Yeah. So this one is a city built on a mountain. Um, it's built on the Titan Spear Mountain in Akshi, um, in the Brim- Brimstone Peninsula. Um, and this is the primary home of the Tempest Lords, uh, Stormhost. Um, they're the really sharp-looking blue armor, white uh, mm-hmm. accents. And then they were the first ones to display the hammer in the mailed fist as their shield and icon. So these guys are essentially like their patriarchs. Uh, they're from the ruling dynasties of Hish. So they're more involved in the daily lives and runnings and goings of Tempesai than the rest of the storm hosts are if, in their cities. If you remember all the way back to when the Realm Gate, uh, or when the when the first books were coming out, when this when the game first came out, and they had that series of Realm Gate Wars books, um. These guys were mentioned specifically, and one of the things is um, they had to kill like what is I think at least a dozen 
Yeah, these are the counters. Yeah, they, they had kill to kill at least a, a dozen. At least a dozen worthy enemies before being reforged or else they're wasting their time. Mm-hmm. Um, because they are. These these guys were these were these all of these guys were plucked from nobility. And um uh, a little conceited. You know, but they a feel touch. It. A touch, but they, 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 you know, and and they acknowledge it, but they feel that that they come by it honestly. Like these, mm-hmm. these were nobles; these were people who were in charge of taking care of people, and they still they that that bit of their personality remains in in right. their stormcast form. Um, I think I I, I kind of like these guys. They're they're kind of they're a bit pompous, but yep. they back it up. They do. Um, I think the other big thing with how the Tempest Lords operate um, as well as just like the city of Tempest Eye in general, because they're so close to the heavens, as it were on the top of the mountain, they are primarily focused on like uh, divination and being alert and constantly vigilant and snuffing things out before they get started. Um, And they have to essentially do like these lightning strikes as it were from uh, the mountain, so they are very fast-moving armies to try to keep things contained. They're always on the lookout, um, but they also ally quite frequently with the Karajan overlords because they yep. fit the same kind of mentality. It's aerial-based for the trade and for the coming and going of the military, um, so obviously it is very fast, um, so it gives a good base for the Karajans to set up and see them as a good resource and trading partner to have. So they do have a lot of standing contracts with them. And then just the stylings, if you look at the picture on uh, which page is it, where it's talking about Tempesai, right? you're looking at like a combination of like planetariums and obviously like your normal buildings, but you also have buildings that look like uh, pagodas um, or like Japanese temples. So they're drawing that kind of inspiration even from the realm of light, which I've always assumed was like a more um, Eastern based culture. Like if you look at the Cypher Lords from Warcry, they have that very Eastern flair to them. So they're also bringing that in as well. Um, So yeah, that's really what Tempesai is all about. And with that, we've covered all the major cities. So we're going to take a break. And when we come, and I know we took one recently, but but shut up. Um, then we've got what collegiate arcane, the free guilds, dispossessed, uh, iron order serpent, all the the major the major uh, the major players. Yeah, in, in each of the cities. in each of the cities, and then we'll cover that, and that'll be it for lore. And then obviously next episode we will cover the war. But uh, we're going to be right okay. back. Uh, right after this. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. 
Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? C-Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? C-Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right. Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. We're back. We are here. We are ready. We are going to talk about these different, uh, the different factions within the cities because mm-hmm. this is what we do. Mm-hmm. It is. And it's worth noting that each one of these factions can't exist in all of the cities. Just to what degree do they exist? Yeah. Yeah, this is, yeah, everyone can be everywhere. And in fact, most of them are in most of the cities, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just level of influence. Right. So we start off with the Collegiate Arcane. Of course we do. Um, so lots of wizards and thaumaturgists and war seers and all the, when, when a lot of this obviously has been based around when Sigmar closed the gates of Azir. And when he closed the gates mm-hmm. of his ear, he had a lot of magic users inside the gates. And he was smart enough to realize, um, we need to um, um, we need to keep this going. We need to make sure that uh, that these guys keep, you know, we need to keep this knowledge alive. So they, he founds the, the Collegiate Arcane. Um, What's interesting, and I didn't realize this until I was reading this. Now, if, if you go back to the old world, um, wizards knew one lore of magic. Because yeah, and it was to dabble in chaos to know more than one uh, wind of magic. Because it was dangerous. Um, and for anyone mm-hmm. who doesn't know, the, like, let's, let's break it down. You know, all magic comes from chaos because... That's where it comes from. Now, in the old world, it was the, the, the lizard. The lizard men taught the or the seraphon, as we call them now, taught the elves. Right? Am I am I right? Yes. In the old lore, they did. And, um, and it, now, was it was it broken into the eight winds of magic? Was it broken into its eight essential pieces by the by the lizard men or by the elves? Because I thought I think th- it was taught to the elves um, as the eight focuses. Um, so the eight winds, um, and the elves could learn the, more than one of the wind. Like yes, the elves could, could more, learn more than one because they were innately more magical creatures than humans. So that's why, like in the old world, Teclas knew like a spell from every lore, um, or all spells from one lore. Not just because he's a, never mind. Yeah. Um, so then. Seraphon taught the elf race, and then the elves, in particular Teclas, is the one that helped found the eight colleges of magic, which is to focus on one lore, 
um, with the hope to minimize the chaos by having wizards focus on one discipline as opposed to multiple disciplines and invite more of the raw stuff of chaos into the world. Because based, um, uh, any human he tried to teach more than one to either blew up. I mean, like they couldn't handle it and that, that melted their brains or they died horribly or they became corrupted. Yeah, and so, what we saw, I think there was only one successful human, and that was Balthazar Gelt. Um, and, and he was kind harness. of a hot mess of a person, too. At the time that he picked up necromancy, yes, for sure. <laughs> um, not just because, never mind. So, um, they don't actually mention that, really, that all magic comes from chaos, because the realms themselves are innately magical. Yes. It has nothing to do with chaos now. Which is interesting. Although they still it's still there's still a danger of corruption. There is. Because naturally you're inviting zinch, you're inviting like excess power right. depending on the influence of the realm you're in, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, but when the when when the, when they broke it down to the eight and now each realm is that essence of that. So it's a little I, I like that change. But one of the changes that I found that I found really interesting is says only the most venerable of their number can be considered experts in all eight disciplines and ascend to the rank of grandmaster of the collegiate. So in this, in the mortal realms, you can know all the all the eight winds of magic. Yeah, it's just to what degree do you know it? Right, but I just I I mean that's a, that's a big change. Like, and I did not it realize is. that that was possible now a lot of wizards you know f have a specialty and they have a focus in, in, mm -hmm. in one of the wins but just the fact that you can if you uh, if you're if you're uh you know p powerful enough magically and 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 have the, the the patience and the perseverance you can know all the magic which is which is so different from what I've been used to that, uh, and once again, what have I been playing forever? I, you know, I was playing Stormcast who didn't know magic when I was playing them. And then I play, I like to play the Dwarden who don't do magic. So I didn't realize this yeah. was all going on. But I think we've seen it before. Cause even like when we did the soul wars, black library book, um, right. The, I cannot remember his name, Balthus Arun or something. Um, the primary, Lord Arcanum, he was able to blend the wind of metal with like the pure fire of Azir into a single spell. Oh, that's so right. It's not, yeah, so this is something that's been like lurking, but now they've actually like, put definish, definition to it. Mm -hmm. um, and then they obviously also have uh, the ability to channel the spirits of whatever realm that they're in, and their magic may be weaker or stronger. Uh, depending on the realm, as they draw on the natural influence of that realm. Uh, and you don't really have a also, choice over that. Wherever you lived and were born and grew up, whatever mm -hmm. realm you're from, you're infused with it, it. Not to the degree like we were talking about in that one in that one city where everybody who lives there is 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 just you know, you know, bathed in magic or what? It's Hallowheart, I think, right? Right. Yeah. But if you grow up in the realm of Akshi, you're, these people are hot, more hot-headed. They are literally more temperamental. And you, you, since these realms are literally made of the stuff of magic, I mean, it's not, I mean, the realm stone is obviously the purest form, but it suffuses everything. So it's a part of your very nature. 
So it, it's usually much easier. You know, the, the easiest example is someone from the realm of Akshi is going to be much better at throwing fireballs than doing other things or, or building fire right. spells because that's it's, – it's just it's, – it's literally a part of their DNA at this point. It's, that's very cool. Yeah, and they do mention in here that they that as humans they need to channel their magics through some sort of focus or loci such as a staff, an amulet, or something because they're not necessarily as innate with the magical ability. They need a channel point, whereas like they mentioned the Eldritch Council, but the you know, Eldritch Council is gone. Yeah, but they so, do mention how like, yeah, the elves don't need a focus. Mm-hmm. But they they do, and I they, I love how they do. They are clever enough to make sure they mention just about anything that one of the different mo- wizard model human wizard models is holding, whether it's an hourglass or a sphere or a staff. Like it, it just yeah. it gives you that concept of something that you have in your head, right? Um, and then they talk about like the abilities for like specific realms. So like if you're from Gur. That's an amber battle mage that has not really changed. Um, they can form connections to different beasts for war mounts, and they do mention like options for like giant bat winged frogs, solar bears, silt serpents. Like they have these other things, but they're most commonly found on the two headed griffin. Which, when it came out as the kit way back, I think it was seventh when that kit came out. Uh huh. Um, I never really understood why it was okay to have a griffin with two heads because they're supposed to be like resistant to mutation. Right. Um, and resistant to corruption. That's why that they were the prized war mount for uh, Imperial generals. Well, now it's like, no, no, this is just a straight offshoot. And like Gur has influenced it. Thing else. Like what's better than one beak to tear something apart Two. <laughs> Um, and then they also talk about the Luminarchs and the Hurricanums. Um, and they put a little more definition onto them. It's like the Luminarch is based in magic from the Realm of Light. So it's like refractory lenses from Ether Quartz. And then the Luminarchs, um, those things are different because they were, um, or the Hurricanums are different because they're based on heaven's magic. So it's not necessarily tied to a realm. So it's channeling the innate energies of Azir. Yeah. And, down and into the storm. Only so at it, the most dire moments do they sanction the use of a hurricaneum. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they have that little box out here for like the spell hunters after the necroquake. Right. And how it's like they can send out wizards and their job is to hunt down rogue spells. And that's the order of the chained flame. Now I would really love to do like some sort of skirmish war band. That's a spell hunter. But Mm -hmm. the only issue is it's like, I don't know if the skirmish system is really built for that. Yeah. Well, so, who knows? Yeah. Um, so, why don't we move on to the free guilds then? Yeah. Um, so, I just want to say, this is exactly what I was talking about in the 
in the very beginning of the show. Um, this is what I love about this book, and this is what I've always, even though I don't, like I said, I don't play, I didn't play Empire when they had Empire, um, but this is, this just hits me the right way. The idea that it's armed with nothing but their faith and a length of trusty steel. The warriors of the free people take to the battlefield, take to battlefields dominated by monsters and living gods. Standing side by side in ranked formation, they set their spears against the charge of chaos warped abominations, blood drooling berserkers, and hulking auric champions. As the blood flows and the bodies fall, they roar their battle cries and wave their battle standards, defiant until the last. This is. This is everything that's awesome about humans. You know, Harrison and I were talking mm-hmm. about this last night. We were talking I, we were talking about Tolkien, and I was talking about the Silmarillion and how humans individually may not always be all that awesome, but you start to put them together. I mean, there are ones who rise to the rise up, this, you know, that are special. But it's just this this ability to stand there on the edge of destruction, on the edge of darkness. Uh, you know, and and look into the storm and say, "Give me your best shot. I can take it." And I just love this. This whole section here uh, gets me super excited. Um, and it says there's lots of humans, but obviously Sigmar's empire is. Uh, oh, it, it talks about the Stormcast Eternals get all the glory, and everybody knows about them. But in truth, Sigmar's empire is built on the blood and sacrifice of millions of humble humans, Dwarden and elves. Uh, and this whole section talks about the twelve great tribes, and like you were talking about the the when they brought back the reclaimed, you know, the ones who survived in the out outside of Azir over the time of the the Age of Chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just everything in here. I just I, this whole section, I could just read these whole two pages, and there's nothing, no, no part of it that, I, that I'm not, I don't get excited about. Uh, the, you know, the ideas of the generals and the things going on, the, the, all the different weaponry. You know, some people have everything and other guys are out there with just clubs and sticks, but they're out there. Just wait. They're just all they're, they're numbers, you know, and how you become a, a great sword and how a big unit of great swords can can just win a battle. Just sending them at the right time, just rushing out in armor with a giant two handed six and a half foot long sword, just taking stuff down. Um, I love it. The free guilds excite me. I don't if the, if there's anything you want to add, please do. I just no, I'll let you ramble and rave all over this. Stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry. The just the concept of it, it's 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 everything that's great about humanity. You know, the, in, mm-hmm. in 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 encapsulated here. Um, I I, I don't want to just keep repeating myself, so I I will stop. But it's it's. They're just men. There's literally nothing special about them. At best, they're jacks of all trades. They can do a little of everything. They've got guts and faith and 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 cleverness, basically. Um, mm-hmm. it's 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 fantastic. So that's the free guilds, and the free guilds are composed, like you said, of you know we think of there's a lot of men, but there's also a mix of elves and Dwarden and other things. So why don't we jump uh, to uh, the Dispossessed? Yeah. So these are the Dwarden. These are the ones that made it back to Azir before mm-hmm. the gates closed. And they're the clansmen that have descended from those original groups that made it back. 
Um, they are the builders of Sigmar's empire. They are the ones that build the cities that do, do all the great artistry for the most part. Um, they build the best defenses and they also serve to work primarily as like forces for fighting underground enemies, uh, in particular, like Skaven, uh, Grotz, Trogs, the stuff that comes out of the ground where they're used to fighting in caverns and mountain holds because obviously they're short of nature, um, short of temper and long of beard. So, um, they do talk about how they're led by the Warden Kings, um, who call upon the grudges in order to lead their troops. The Runesmiths, they're the ones that empower their troops using rune magic, which is similar to how the Fire Slayers get their powers from the runes of Grimner that they pound into their skin, but it's a little different. It's not as potent, and it's not as dangerous. Well, and it's put onto their uh, weapons and onto their armor and stuff like that, exactly. so you're not just jamming it into your body. Um, Correct. I like they get a little bit more on where their names even they're dispossessed. They, I mean, I know what that meant. I know what that means. It's not a secret, but it, you know, they call themselves that in the memory of their holds and, and they didn't, I mean, you know, dwarves, Dwarden, they're, uh, they're, a, they're a bit of a stoic bunch and they, they're a, 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 a grudge bearing group. Um, but they didn't give in to that when they got there, they just started to get to work and they are, they're the best builders. Once they're the guys who design the cities, they just everyone defers to them. Okay, how do we defend this area? Well, you're going to get this, 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 and this, and they just and they go along with it, you know, because they know these guys know not only how to build, but they're not just into defense. If you if you've got an enemy in a fortress, if if you can't crack that nut. Bring in the dispossessed, because not only can they build an amazing defense, but they can look at the enemy's defenses and be like, okay, we hit them here, 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 do this here, do that, we'll get through. It's, they're fantastic. Oh, God, I love the Dwarden. I really do. And they got the long beards. I like the Warden King stuff they talk about here, too. This is my favorite quote from this page. All right. Uh, they're typically led to war by Warden Kings, wise and ancient beings. These Dwarden rulers have seen it all over the course of their long lives, and they've come away largely unimpressed. That right there sums it all up. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've seen everything, and you know what? Yawn. Like, <laughs> they're just anything. Oh, it's perfect. I love it. I'm sorry. I'm really excited about this tonight. I just... I, this... It's okay. My excitement's later. Okay. Well, because uh, I, I have a feeling I know where that's coming in. But this is just all the stuff that uh, this is the first ten years that I played this game. This was it. You know what I'm saying? This mm-hmm. is the stuff that I played, and they haven't changed all that much lore-wise from the old world. You know, I mean, no. there's obvious changes. You got to there's there's they're not exactly the same, but deep deep down in the core, this is the stuff that I this was how this is what I this is where I started this game. This is where I learned this game, and so oh, it's just for me, 
There's nothing better than this. Uh, Iron Weld Arsenal. Let's. We'll, I'll, I'll hit that one really quick, and then I'm. I'm assuming you want to take the Darkling Coven's, and I will be happy to hand that over to you. Uh, in yeah. fact, of all of this, the Phoenix Temple is the only other one that I get super excited for. I do like it all, but this is my excitement levels. They peak with some of these here. So, um, Iron Weld Arsenal. It's humans and okay. It's humans and Dwarden building big guns together. Um. These are the people uh, that that try to, you know, they're always trying to build a better weapon, trying to build something a little more destructive. So you get, you know, the cogsmiths, tinkerers, combat engineers. Um, you know, these are the guys who build the Hellblaster volley guns. These are the guys who build the Hellstorm rocket batteries. Um, they may, uh, and and when that's not good enough, then you bring in gyrocopters and gyro bombers, and when that's not quite there, you bring in the steam tanks. The, I mean, that's this is this is all the black powder uh, uh, inventions and and work comes through this. Um, this is this is the fun part. This is the this is the part that I that I really. Uh, <laughs> this was always the part that I loved the best when I was playing the uh, playing with with the dwarves, um, you know, guns and and gyrocopters and all that. If you like the black powder portion of your fantasy game, these are your boys, mm-hmm. right? All right, um, moving along. Yeah. So the Darkling Coven's uh, when. Age of Sigmar first came out and they lumped all these things into the covens. I was a little confused um, by them because it's like, wait a minute. You have your rank and file uh, Drechi models led by sorceresses. The Cold One Knights are not in here. Um, or Drake Spawn as they're known now. Uh-huh. But then you have Executioners, which were Knights in the old world. They're now... Darkling Covens, they're not in the Daughters of Cain section, but Doomfire Warlocks are. So there's a lot of like confusion as to what these guys were. Um, and now they've broken it down into, it's like, this is the nasty, dirty underbelly. Um, these are the elves, some of them obviously, that made it back to Azir. And their whole thing is the undying quest for power. They've nominally joined Sigmar's Crusade uh, against Chaos, at least by all appearances, in order to fight them. But it's their end goal is to gain power. Mm-hmm. Each coven is ruled over by a sorceress um, who can either use her spells for purposes of beguilement in order to influence the actions of like politicians or other people in order to best suit their needs. Um, they have freely... Uh, worked with the Idenith Deepkin um, in a yeah. weird exchange of we're going to send you guys some hapless schmoes um, offering up truckloads of souls for the promise of future aid. So they're willing to let others die so, so that they can gain their power. So they kind of do a little bit of undermining, but at the end of the day, they're still very Jirichi which is the power-hungry um, master manipulators type of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So their military is broken down into a number of different units, bleak swords, dread spears, dark shards. And these are your common core uh, infantry, the rank and file troops. They're still much better soldiers than the average man, um, but they're still just as squishy. Uh, and then they have two specialist units, the black guard, which have always kind of been like the bodyguard unit of any given uh Jirichi army, but now that they have brought them into Age of Sigmar, they are the sorceress's bodyguard. It's their job to protect her on the battlefield, um, as well as bring down any threats or uprisings or any sort of insubordination very quickly. And, and they're pretty uh, tough. I mean, we haven't gotten to the gameplay thing yet, but they're pretty good, I think. Yeah, they are... Um, they are elite. They are very elite troops. Um, they're very fast. They're vi- they're they're definitely like you have to earn your place into the Black Guard through years of butchery, bloodshed, and unwavering devotion to your sorceress. So right, and there's a lot of trials and tribulations that go into it. Like you, this is a by merit position. Um, oh yeah, so. Yeah, it's a total meritocracy on that. Okay, what is the deal with the executioners? And do we get any more information on them later? Because this is the part that grabbed my attention. Um, yeah. I mean, they're the guys, big, you know, big two-handed swords, hitting hard, moving in, those skull masks. But you're reading this, they call them, you know, they worship Cain, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but the executioners don't speak of faith. They seldom speak at all. They simply kill gracefully and relentlessly. Even the sorceresses are unnerved by the devastation that they revel in, the laughter that can be heard as they're lopping off limbs. Okay, when they're not on the field of battle, they reside in isolated towers and fortresses far outside the boundaries of society. So they don't live near anybody else. They live by themselves. They all live together. They all live in the same place. It's like a little fraternity. Um... None but those who wear the mask are allowed inside the walls of the strongholds, but those who pass beneath the foreboding walls can hear the hideous screams of the captives echoing from within. It's not known why they fight on behalf of the covens, for they don't appear to be bound to the service. Uh, like, what is going? What is happening with these guys? They are, I mean, they're elite killers, but they make, like, it's, it's mysterious and odd. Yeah. So it's like, do they owe some sort of debt to the sorceress? Are they some sort of combination of elf and shadowkin? Which we've seen this mentioned before, um, as far as like the potential hint for Malarians, uh, offsp- offshoot of like either the Deepkin or Realm Lords or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, like what he did with the souls that came out of Slanesh. Yeah. So who knows really what they are, but they show up. At the command of the sorceress, they're not really bound to her service, but but they go and then they reap in a bloody harvest. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Uh, The other thing I do want to talk about is the black dragon. Um, Sorceresses can take to the skies on a black dragon. Uh, They were, and they put this in here, how it's like they maintain close ties with the Order Serpentis, um, which are the Drake Spawn Knights. Uh, and this was actually started in the age of myth 
when the sorceresses, even back then, aided the Order Serpentis in creating the first of the Black Dragons. So that bond is still there, even after all all of the millennia and centuries since the Age of Myth. Okay. And they also mention on here how, like, the Shadow Blades are not allies to the Darkling Covens, really. Because the Shadow Blades, as we'll... Actually, we can probably just jump to them real quick. Sure. Um, they're the assassins of Sigmar. Right. They are part of the, um, like, Order of Witch Hunters, etc. Um, their initial job during the cleansing of Azir was to go in and kill any sort of uprising. And they did that obviously very well and without mercy. So they're not like in that traditional Jirichi sense, they're enforcers of Sigmar's will is what they are. And if you're like obviously planning a revolution or a usurping or anything like that. So if you step out of line, you may get a knife in your back courtesy of a shadow blade assassin. Yes. And they um, apparently get I mean they they get their men. I mean you read this and I mean I'd be afraid to get that stupid mark up, show up on my skin. Yeah. So the targets are selected um when a black mark shows up on the target's skin and it may take years, may take days, it may take hours, but once you're marked, you're marked. So, um, and then for them, they are very different. They believe that there is a purity in taking a life to save countless more. So it's order to the extreme is really what these guys are. Um, but not all who hunt hunt alone. So they put in the, uh, dark riders and these are, Elves that are mounted upon steeds from their own shadow, so they put a little the dark steeds into a separate category that they are relentless and they chase down the assassins' targets. So they're assassins themselves, like they're training to be an assassin, um, and their job is to hunt down the targets that run. Um, and then the shadow warriors are inductees into the rituals of the shadow blades, guerrilla warfare ambush. Um, and they serve as scouts and skirmishers for the free cities. Um, even though that they are very secretive, like assassins and the whole order shadow blades is like, they use shadow magic in order to mask their approach to find their targets, to disappear and reappear. So, they're very odd because like the three units that make up the shadow blades used to be a canine assassin, the dark riders, which are descendants from Raven heralds from the old world. Right. And their job was just to communicate messages um, primarily or do patrols. And then shadow blades or the uh, shadow warriors were Nagarith like high elves. And their whole thing was to fight the long war against the Jirichi. So you have these three things that didn't really make any sense together, but now they've come together into one solid order and they made it make sense. Right. 
I, I I love it all. I think it's fantastic. I'm not gonna. I am not gonna complain one bit about any of this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what else do we have to cover? Uh, the Scourge Privateers. Right, right, right. Uh, okay. So these are, as you would expect, the uh, Scourge Privateers. These are the pirates. These are the seafarers. Uh, these are the ones that primarily hunt down monsters um, to protect the cities. Um, they also protect, like, obviously coastal trade, um, raid any sort of coastal inhab- coastal um, settlement by either chaos or destruction or whatever. Um, so their primary nominal function is to secure the seaways, but they are still pirates. They mm-hmm. still market in slave trade, in captives. They delight in cruelty. Like, none of this has changed. They're still very much Chirichi. Um, they have... Obviously, they're led by the Fleet Masters, um, who are, like, massively flamboyant, attitude pirates, um, even though that they are fairly squish in the face. Um... The Corsairs are the crew of the wolf ships. So these are the ships that hunt down and chase other ships or other monsters. Um, they use scale or sea drake cloaks in order to protect themselves from the weather, but also to protect themselves from weapons, from arrows. Um, they have the weirdest thing, which is the Scourge Runner Chariot, um, which is this chariot pulled by horses and its job is to run around and bring down monsters on land. So it didn't, when it first came out, it was, um, a beast master in the back of the chariot that was running around and hunting down monsters to tame and take captive. Now in the privateers, it's a hunter to kill those beasts or, to take them captive for like pit fighting or unleashing on the enemies of order. So it's a little different and they took something that doesn't really make sense in pirates because you don't anticipate horses dealing with pirates right. and they made it fit. Um, and then you have the Charybdis, which is um, <laughs> our monsters that they've dragged from the trenches of the ocean. Um, and that's their, like their secret weapon, as it were, they're kept down in the holds, um, not fed very well. And the creatures themselves, um, they're able to like emit this abyssal howl. Um, and it's just completely wrecking to your ears, to your senses and to your morale. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but the whole thing is they run in and they eat things just like a monster would. Exactly. Exactly what you would expect them to do. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, what else we got? We got three more here. Uh, Phoenix Temple. I love Phoenix Temple. Okay. These are the guys we talked about dedicated to the Ur Phoenix, the magical god beast of fire and rebirth. Uh, this follows some of the old Phoenix Guard. Uh, they don't speak, uh, they fight in total silence. Uh, they come in with their. Uh, with with their we- with their weapons and they, I I like this bit of the story. Um, it's it's different than the old one. Um, 
it's just got a nice, interesting twist. And it, it harkens back to the ideas of the Phoenix King and all the nonsense that happened because of that nonsense in the old world. Um, and all the fake Phoenix Kings that took over because Malekith was denied his proper place. But we won't get into that, even though Barnett was right. Um, to be allowed within the hallowed halls of the Phoenix Temple, an elf must have sacrificed their mind and body in the great battle against chaos. Scarred, broken, and traumatized beyond the capacity for speech, these fallen heroes are borne by robed priests to the sacred pyres, raised as shrines to the Ur Phoenix. In a ceremony that can last for many days, a dying phoenix, one of the god beasts' rare and mystical offspring, wraps its wings around the supplicant. Both beings are engulfed by elemental magic, and as one are reborn, restored in mind, body, and spirit. So, when it says as one they're reborn, does that mean that you've got a dying phoenix and you've got a dying elf? And when the phoenix wraps around and the, when it comes out of the flames, there's no phoenix there? It's just an elf? No, no. The phoenix is still there. Okay. But it's the process of giving new life and revitalizing this broken, beaten, and scarred elf uh, with the magic of the phoenix rebirth. And they come back and they and they no longer have the power of speech. Well, they kind of lost the speech um, because of their trauma. Right, but, but when they're reborn, they're, uh, they're, I mean, this is, they used to have all sorts of special rules about this, because these guys can almost predict where things are going to, they can see, like, you know, 30 seconds into the future, practically. Um, they, yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and I, I really, this, this, this temple, I really like this, that they, uh, it talks about how they, you know, they go to the pyre of the phoenix and hish, and they and they and they meditate and they study and they. It's it's just such a cool concept of this being reborn into this almost mystical warrior. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry. Go ahead with what you're saying. I keep interrupting. No, no. Um, so they are kind of like freed from shackles because their faith is like so pure and unrelenting that they trust in their destiny now as the defenders of the pure and the righteous. So that's the whole thing with their like aforementioned destiny. Like they know like when I think there's, they know when they're supposed to die. Um, right. And how they die and that they are just marching towards that fate. So why do they need to worry? Because they know what's going to happen. They just have to go along with it, mm-hmm. and and that's what they do. They're 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 happy to do this, or at least don't mind. It's it's their it's 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 why they've been reborn. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the wanderers. You want to grab these last two, the wanderers and the order serpentis. Are these sure. the ones that get you all excited, or was it the was no? It, it was the it was the darklings, shadow blades. Scourge and then the Serpentis. Gotcha. Like the Wanderers. Eh. They're okay. <laughs> you know, and this is the thing. I love the Wood Elves, but th- their story here is just not so good. It's like, oh, Chaos came and they ran away. Yeah, that is exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, they, wait a minute. They serve, what? 
Yeah. They served as the guardians of Gairan. So the realm of life, they lived in these massive uh, treetop canopy cities. But as Nurgle overtook, they are the ones, are the ones that retreated to Azir. They lost their faith. Um, they didn't want to go down um, with the ship, as it were. They abandoned and retreated to Azir. They became wanderers because Illyrial, um, nor, the Sylvaneth, nor the Sylvaneth would forgive them for abandoning them. Yeah. Um, so I they kinda... no longer had a home. So it's kind of like the dispossessed, but different. Well, here's the thing. The dispossessed, I mean, those those mountain fortresses were all falling. Like, it, all, pretty much if you didn't run, you probably died. Um, yeah, if you didn't become a fire slayer or go in the sky like the Caradron. Yeah, uh, that's but, true. But, I mean, but those guys don't resent the dispossessed either. They're just, it was like, hey, look, we all did what we did to survive. Um, Alariel and Sylvaneth, I, I, I mean, I don't blame the Wanderers for doing what they did. Going to Azir and living to fight another day and working alongside with Sigmar to fix this or to come back at some point and fix it, it's not a bad, I mean, it's not a bad decision. Am I right? But Alariel is so mercurial, same with the Sylvaneth, that... She's not going to forgive slight. It's just how she is. She's unrelenting, and she holds grudges. Yeah, and she took you a personal lost bit. faith. Yeah, it's a personal issue that you lost faith in me, even though she had lost faith in herself because she retreated into her own grove as Nurgle took over. So it's not like she's without guilt in this, but she's clearly got her own perception of... Do what you have to do. It's because they abandoned her for Sigmar in her eyes, I think, is what it is. Yeah, that's what I'm getting out of it, too. It's like you went with him. And even yeah. though even though they were allies and they worked together, the, the, the entire pantheon of order gods has always been a fragile alliance. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. It's 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 a it's a it's a hey you picked you 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 love dad more than you love mom so mom's not happy about this yeah so the big thing that they do is that they are the scouts um, but they also uh, cherish the magic of life so they also go into the corrupted places and seek to uh, root out the corruption to soothe the wilds um, and they use that through use of waystones. Um, which are stones made of realm stone, I believe, to like work on purification and cleansing. So that's like a very primary well with the curd stones. The herd stones. The curd stones. What's a curd stone? It goes with a way stone. Curds and whey. Get out! <laughs> Somebody just, had to say just, it. Actually, that's a lie. Nobody had to say that. Terrible, nobody terrible had thing. to say that. But I like, did. That was... That's right. I did. I said it. What are you going to do? Be mad? Nothing. That's right. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, oh, come on. So... Everybody else makes their puns. Just because mine suck doesn't mean I shouldn't do it. Actually, a bad pun <laughs> left unsaid is better than a bad pun said. If you say so. I do say so. You did. I heard you. I'm listening. Go ahead. Let's keep talking about the Wanderers so we can get to the Order of Repentance and get done with this episode. 
Sure. Um, so they have they're led by nomad princes who are descendant of the original uh, leaders that fled to Azir, um, and they are the ones that guide the aims and spears and just general goals. They're kind of like the wayfinders. They're the ones that lead them. Um, the Eternal Guard are their protectors. Uh, these are the wood elf with spears. Um, and their job is just to basically hold points, protect their general. Uh, the Wildwood Rangers, they are in order that were hunting the monsters that roamed Gyran that didn't jive with Alarial. So that's still their primary task, um, is to hunt down the monsters. Right. The Sisters of the Watch. Uh, so these are the old... Uh, what were they called back then? Uh, maiden Guard. Yes, right, they were right. the Maiden oh, Guard. Yeah, maiden Guard. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so these are the old Maiden Guard models. Um, but they loose enchanted arrows, um, and they guard the ley lines. So that's the lines of magic in the realms that help feed the waystones. Um, and then those that flee are cut down by the wild riders. These are the hunters. Um, and they chase them down on stags. Um, and then in order to like call the force to aid them, they have the sisters of the thorn, which are the female uh, counterpart to the wild riders. Um, and they protect their kindred by summoning up thorns and brambles to form shields and defensive thickets to protect them. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's the wanderers. Mhm. I love those models. Honestly, the wood elf line, the the actual wood elves, I mean the the old treekin models were odd and uh, stuff like that, but the, the like all the different wood elf character models were some of the nicest models in the GW range throughout 7th and and 8th uh, edition, I think. And then they all got cut. Yep. With the exception of Araloth, which became the Nomad Prince. Right, but God, they were so nice. Yeah, especially There's... the uh, noble with the two-handed weapon mm-hmm. that was standing perched on a root. Yes. Um, I actually had a Wood Elf Army in 7th when they came back out, and that model alone is what sold me on the range. I sold all mine uh, a while ago, but I had... the. I had the entire range, and they weren't very well painted. They were mostly primed green with just a little bit of paint. But I I had every single model in the range, and I had gone out of my way to make sure I got each one of the spe- – the, 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 I forget what they were called, but they had – you could buy literally each individual model for them. They were the, the war dancers. Was that it? Or something dancers? It was the nobles. Um, and you could each put them into a different kindred, like Alter Kindreds or mm-hmm. War Dancer Kindred. Right, but then you could buy, like, they had War Dancer individual models you could buy. They had all Yeah, the they had some poses. special ones, and then they had special nobles mm-hmm. that were particular to whatever path they followed. Yeah, and I, I had every last one of them because they were gorgeous. This, this, this was the line that every one of those character models was excellent all the little all the different wizards you know the ones on the staff the one floating on like the 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 spiral of of air and so, it was such a beautiful line it's a shame that they couldn't find a way to make it work in 
in in the game because those they were I, I adored those models. I really did. Mm-hmm. So okay, so order Serpentis, and then we can wrap this up. Yeah. So these are descendants from the Empire of Narkath and Ulgu, um, which. So these guys are like the original Shadowkin, um, like the descendants of like original Ulu natives. Um, and they see things as with the laws of Azir is little more than a, the hypocritical creed of weaklings. They practice slavery, sacrifice, um, sought any excuse. And it's obviously it's the seeking of power. Mm-hmm. Um, but back then every knight of the order rode on a black dragon. So you have every knight is riding around on a dragon. So if you were to imagine rocking up against order Serpentis, and if they have like 20 or 30 knights on Drake's bond, if they were all on black dragons, yeah, like that's the army that you used to have to deal with. <laughs> um, so, they drew the attention of Sigmar and the Pantheon, obviously, but Malarian protected them, um, considering their strength, their martial prowess, um, as a significant asset that he needed to protect. Um, now, these were some of the most stubborn uh, defenders of Ulgu when the Age of Chaos came out, um, and they obliterated armies of demons but they couldn't stop them all right Um, they most of the order actually ended up dying because they refused to give in to uh defeat because of their boundless pride because they had to go down with the ship but the more practical ones went to azir um and they were the ones that were like brooding like when the time comes, we're going to come out and we're going to ride down with a vengeance. Um, so they don't have a lot of black dragons anymore because most of them died um, during the course of the fall of Narkath. Um, they then began to experiment with black magic and the bloods of the black dragons in order to make Drake spawn. Um, and by definition then became the hydras it's the same kind of thing it's blood experimentation uh crossbreeding dark magic to create these new war mounts for them Mm -hmm. so they're not like a full-on order of dragon riding knights anymore it's but it's still hearkening back to what was right and it's still pretty awesome Mm mm-hmm and I think that's it, isn't it? It is. I mean, granted, there is a lot uh, that still goes into the description of the Order of Serpentis. Like, they really flushed them out, and then some. I think of any of the factions, they got the most information, I think. Like, reinvention, because they took them from just, like, a niche into this massive, full-fledged faction. So, I don't know. I really liked it, and of course, that art is the old Malice Darkblade. Um, and that is personally one of my favorite pieces of art in this book. 
So yeah, no Malice Darkblade is he's great. He was the man. Yeah. Yep. Or he was the elf. Yes, as it were. Good yes. call. Good. Sorry call. about that. All right. No, no. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. That's the lo- now this lore obviously maybe not have gone as deep as some of the others, um, but this is all stuff we've literally heard for the last four years. You know. Um, little with bits. some expounding, yeah, and so the, the, we come back to it. and It's like, oh, this is exactly what we've. This is exactly it, it's it's great though. It's I really enjoy this. And now, next episode is going to be um, war for this. It's going to hurt. Just so you guys, know. Uh, I'm telling you right now, folks. Um. <sighs> Don't expect us to cover every last one of all these things. I am go- I am going to task my man Alex with picking out the best parts of these different. Like we, we'll we're going to hit the general ideas, but there are how many? What is this? I'm looking at this, and it's just it upsets me. There's seven cities, and then all of the different um, units that make up each one of the factions that we talked about. And they all have their own unique rules and combinations. And I think the best way to break this down is you should really have your app out when we talk about this. Uh huh. Because I don't know if we're going to deep dive into all the stats, but no. just like talk about basic functions, roles, and tricks that you can do within the seven cities. This so, is not going think... to be a normal war coverage for us. I mean, okay, free city battle traits, yes. But, okay, Hammerhall battle traits, Hammerhall command traits, Hammerhall spell lords, Hammerhall artifacts of power. Any normal book, that would be it. Except then we've got the exact same thing for the living cities. The Greywater Fastness, the Phoenician, the Anvil Guard. Uh, and then they've got little specialties under there because you've got your Drake Blood stuff in there. you got your Hallow Heart, Tempest Eye. Now that's just, I mean, that's just the different special you know command abilities and things you can pick start get okay one page on page 63 for the legion's abilities and then it goes up to page 77 there's 14 pages of battle yeah, trades command seven trade. cities. yeah uh uh-uh. uh no 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 we're i'm not i refuse i'm sorry uh i'm not going through uh, i i will go insane and I won't be able to follow, keep up with it, all of it anyway. Ian, and I'm not the kind of guy who can read all of these separate little things and then think back to the different units and see how it all pieces together. So general concept for each of the different cities, like where their focus is and the types of things they can do in general, that's the type of stuff that you can expect at this point because, yeah, nope, not happening. Uh, no. Yeah, because if you remember, because like I think the only thing that was comparable to this amount of War Scrolls was when we did Skaven, and I hated oh. that. Like I mean, yes. uh, we covered it and we did a, I think a good job. That was grueling and painful, and I, I eventually my my head started turning to tapioca, and I I had no idea. Like, thank God you understand this. That's why you're the playtester, and I'm just the guy who like likes to be the fanboy and say everything's awesome. Because I have no, like I'm looking through this now. It is literally on page eighty nine. There is almost forty pages of unit entries here. Yeah, no, no not happening. 
I mean, and then there's the separate battalions for each city. Um, there's seven different battalions in this book, so which isn't that there's a bad lot to cover. There's other armies that have just it's as not, many. Yeah, but it's seven different that can only be taken. Each battalion can only be taken by that respective city. Right. So it's then you're looking at the battalion in context of the abilities of the city that it's from, in context of the abilities from the realm that it's from. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot. Hold on a second. It's like almost 60 units. And then the, yeah, the battalions. And then, like you were pointing out, um, I'm looking at what, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, uh, I think there's 22 different units that become battle line if. Yep. So you've got two, four, you got about eight or nine units that are straight battle line. And then you've got 20 some units that are battle line if, depending which, if you pick, uh, you know, uh, wh- who. It depends dep- on your general, your general and your city. Yeah. Forget about it. Like this, this, this is the type of stuff that melts my brain, and I don't feel like melting my brain. Not right now. Not no. Uh, and I'm not complaining. It's cool. There's so much here. One of the coolest things about this book is, you know, you like Dwarden humans and elves. Well, what do you like? Because whatever you want, you got it. It's in here, and you can play it the way you want to play it because of the way this book is structured. It's fantastic. And that's not including all of your allies. Right. Oh, my God. That's right. Hold on. Let me look at that real quick. And I'm just, this is just a preview of the stupidity that's going to be coming next episode. Uh, allies, Daughters of Cain, Fire Slaters, Deep Kin, Overlords, except in a Tempest Eye Army, and Sylvaneth, except in a Living City or Greywater Fastness Army. So that's no oh, two, four. That's actually only five armies. Uh, and some of them but, have exceptions. But it's that, the exceptions that are going to take a bit. Right. Oh. Yeah, this is this is a lot. And you know what? If you're that interested, we're going to hit what, what, what we think are the, high, the things we like, or actually the things Alex likes. And then... <laughs> um, and then if you like it, explore it yourself. This book, it gives you every... If, if this is your thing... You could, you could just play in this book for years. I'm thinking, yeah, and constantly be changing up your armies and changing up your stuff. There is enough here. This is several different army books combined into one. It literally is. It's elves, dwarves, and empire combined into one big book with so many, so many possible combinations. I love it. But no, we're not doing the tip. This would take seven or eight hours at least. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. Nah, not happening. So just to prepare you for what we are and what we aren't going to do. Um, yeah, we're going to streamline this because ugh, <laughs> it's just too much. All right. Um, all right. Time to wrap it up. Uh, folks, thank you once again for listening to this nonsense. And uh, we hope to see you back here in hopefully less than two weeks since this is way late. Sorry about that. Uh, But we do want to thank a few people before we go. 
Um, we want to thank the, our associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, and Lance Pear. Our executive producer, Colin Miller. And our newest patrons, Nicholas Western, Johnny Hillgrove, Jerome Peters Penman, Matthew Mayo, and our newest executive pr- producer, Andrew Frankiesen. And once again, I mangled the heck out of all of that. Please, guys, just drop a voicemail. You don't even have to drop something long. Or unless you want to email me the phonetics, I I'm, I can read phonetics, but please, guys, drop me an email, especially if, uh, especially Andrew, so that when I say your name every week, I don't mangle it every week because that would make me feel bad, and I like to feel good. So, um, I think that's it. Oh. <laughs> Alex, Dave, we did it. Yeah, yeah, ish. Well, kind of, yeah. But hey, I'm I'm pleased. Look, we did an episode where we were happy. Nobody cried. We got through all this, and um, and it, it, I'm back to having fun with this. The lore here is exciting me. Yeah, when we get to the war, that's when the crying starts. <laughs> so it'll be okay, folks. We'll get through it together. Yep, and uh, yeah. And then I'm going to start reading the heck out of that Seraphon book again. Because, boy, that one that one has my interest peaked. But, uh, okay, folks. Until next time, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you've enjoyed the show... Maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at garagehammer and Alex, that's me, is at somekindageek30. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at soundcloud.com slash Music. Finally, if you want to join the Garage Hammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance Forums, that's tga.community, or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.